everybody looking that's my ghetto slate you have a gopro with no audio that's how we do on our show uh i'm jack geckler um one of the co-creators of uh this endeavor called uh, nerdtastic in 3d um it's a podcast that we sort of put together uh with a bunch of industry friends that we had that we originally used to get together with at lunch and just sit and do what we're going to do now and thought why not record it and get really nerdy um then i said who would care what yes. the hell we'd have to say, but whatever. <laughs> but I threw it out there anyways. And uh, the other co-creator, he actually uh, just moved up to Seattle uh, for a company called Zulily as the head of their technology. He used to work at Disney Toon as the stereo supervisor over there for the Planes movies. Um, and he said, peace, y'all. Uh, I'm going to go move to Seattle. So he's out, which is awesome because that frees up more cool stuff for us to talk about and Got rid of the dead He really weight. held us back, apparently. <laughs> so I hope he's listening. Hey, Jason. Sorry, Jason. Um, I don't miss you. <laughs> but I figure what we'll do is we'll go around, we'll give a quick introduction of who we are, what we do. Um, then pass it off to you guys. Pass it off to Ross, maybe with some questions that you guys might have. And then uh, if we get really slow, we will do what we do on the podcast normally. <clears throat> talk about stuff during the week. Talk about stuff that we want to talk about. And... Uh, Hopefully you guys like it, and uh, you know, hopefully you listen to it after this. Uh, but um, so I'm Jack Deckler. I'm a crowds artist at DreamWorks Animation. I've been there almost five years. Uh, I started on How to Train Your Dragon one. I'm now on How to Train Your Dragon two. Uh, that's how long it takes. That's how long it takes. <laughs> uh, I have done some other movies in the middle there: uh, Kung Fu Panda two. Rise of the Guardians, uh, Kung Fu Panda Holiday Special. They, they, they slugged in some work in the middle there, as much as I would have loved to have had it off. Um, before I went to DreamWorks, I worked in live-action visual effects uh, for studios like Rhythm and Hues, Sony Imageworks, Digital Domain, a uh, studio called Asylum, um, where I worked on Sky High, Golden Compass, Apocalypto, Pirates of the Caribbean <coughs> 3. Um, feel free to look at my IMDb if you want to see the list of those which none of you probably will do. Um, I will. Thank you. And then before that, I, uh, I, I moved out here in 2003 from Orlando, Florida, and the first job I got actually was in video games. Um, and I worked at a small studio in Woodland Hills called Genuine Games as, a, as an animator. Um, and actually the jobs at the other studios in live action, I was doing animation and previs. Uh, but this, the game that we worked on at the time, I got so excited about. In 2003... Seven or eight years after it came out was Fight Club, the video game, um, which uh, turned out to which I still have. my I did have my refrigerator for the longest time. I got the I believe it was the steaming pile of dog crap award from one of the magazines. Um, so that was my first taste of the industry um, from from a movie I loved so much and was so excited about. Uh, and then I went on to work on the. Uh, uh, 50, the 50 cents first game was called Bulletproof, which on that end, I'm like, man, nobody's going to buy this. No, that one sold. <laughs> People, it turns out, like 50 cent, nobody really liked Fight Club. I don't, yeah, I don't know what happened there. Um, 
And then prior to that in Orlando, uh, I was a teacher at a university in uh, Orlando called Full Sail. I did that for a couple of years. And uh, what yeah. did you do before that, though? Yeah, it's getting the real meat and potatoes. Oh man, <laughs> this is a problem of just not speaking to a group by myself. Because <laughs> I have I have the peanut gallery. Uh, you see prior, why we started a podcast, by the way. Pri- prior to that, I worked at, uh, at, at at Disney World, actually at MGM Studios in Orlando, uh, doing character entertainment and puppets uh, for them. So, Bear in the Big Blue House, uh, Sweetums, the giant ogre character. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a what a, a big word for that he was goofy and Chewbacca. <laughs> I, I did, I did, I did a lot. I did, a, I did, a, I did a lot of that stuff for years. Professional character entertainer. Okay, look, kids liked me. <laughs> That's all I remember from that time. And it was, it was hot and humid. <laughs> oh God, I regress back. I'm like sweating now thinking about it. But it was awesome, and that was actually what led me to uh, actually. You got to start somewhere, right? Actually, you know what's funny? The puppet stuff. Not so much doing Chewbacca and Goofy, but uh, getting into puppets led me down a path of. Uh, I liked computers, and doing puppets kind of inspired me. I had a roommate at the time that we would do, uh, who was a puppeteer as well, and we would do green. We painted a whole wall on our house that we were renting chroma key, and we would do these puppet shoots. Um, with backdrops from like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and like pretty much anything you can map onto a green screen um, in our living room because we were two nerds and we were dating a lot of people at the time. And <laughs> I mean, a lot of people were painting their walls green in their living room. Uh, but it, that sort of inspired us to get into Studio Max and After Effects really early on um, before I got into Maya. And uh, the school sort of opened up a program and it was new and this is around 99, 2000 and we kind of got bitten. And uh, been doing it ever since, and uh, yeah, love this industry, and I'm very fortunate to be doing what I'm doing, and uh, happy to be doing this podcast with all of you, but Sean. Yeah, that guy. That's, <laughs> a, that's a common... Yeah. But yeah. Oh, we supposed yeah. to... No. No. And uh, I'm Sean Fennell. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, that's right. Um, I also work at DreamWorks. Um, I'm the uh, head of the crowds department uh, at DreamWorks. Um, actually, I was his supervisor on how to train your driver. He hired one. me. I hired him, actually. Thank yeah. God somebody did. Um, I'm currently working on the movie Home, which was originally called Smack Day. I changed it to Home about halfway through. Um, before that, I worked on, uh, let's see, uh, Guardians, Rise of the Guardians. Not the Owl movie. <laughs> the movie with Santa the Claus one. in it. Uh, I worked on uh, Kung Fu Panda 2, Kung Fu Panda, Over the Hedge, Shark Tale was my first film at the studio. And um, before that, I took a job teaching at the Art Institute in Santa Ana. That's what actually got me out here to California. I'm from Chicago originally. Where else did you teach? Uh, I taught here, actually, for about a year, a little less than a year, teaching the Maya courses and the Maya Studio courses. And um, and Dory was kind enough to let us come back and, and talk with all of you. Uh, before that, I actually got my first job in the industry from my teacher in college, um, which is kind of where it started off. So I actually went to school for this, unlike some of these who's over here. Well, where are we? We Point haven't that said way. where the hell we are. We are. Yeah, you haven't said where we are. We, we are the shittiest recording. Dang, <laughs> man. So we're coming to you live from actually Woodbury University. What episode are we on? And this is episode, if I'm correct, this is uh, 89. 89. 89. Don't speak proper Spanish like myself. <laughs> I noticed you stepped up and... Made it happen, though. Yeah. Way to go, buddy. Someone had to. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. 
Anyway, that's my spiel. I'll let Josh go now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for the people who fell into this industry. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, School is way overrated. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm just kidding. It's very essential. Um, I would have liked to have gone, but I just didn't. Uh, I fell into this industry a very unique way. Um, I moved up north to be an uh, audio engineer, realized I didn't want to pay for school. And so I took a job as a video game tester at uh, 2K Sports. And from there, <clears throat> I was playing basketball, and they saw me, and they are like, you're pretty good at sports and basketball. And I was like, I appreciate it. They're like, can we get your moves for the game? <laughs> you're good at the sports. You're good at the sports. So um, I became a motion capture actor for them. And then I was just standing there, and I saw myself moving around on the computer, and I was just like, that's awesome. That's me. Well, if you guys ever need help, let me know. They're like, we're busy. You want to do this? I'm like, why the hell not? <coughs> so then I sat down in front of a computer, taught myself how to motion edit mocap data. Um, from there, uh, my supervisor just had this weird illness and all of a sudden was like on the verge of death. So he just left the company for a year to recover. Literally, like we got a phone call. It's like, he's not going to make it through the end of the night. And we're like, oh, my God, something like every organ in his body shut down for some reason. It's a weird That's thing. That's weird. Yeah, weird. No. And, and you got him his lunch every day, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> really odd how this, uh, this is on the record. Yeah. Okay, it's on the record. So, we, um, yeah, so then I started becoming a motion capture director, started directing shoots and stuff like that and being in the shoots. And then I taught myself keyframe animation and Sony Pictures called and they were really busy for a uh, movie Monster House. So I moved uh, back down here. I'm actually from Southern California, from Ventura. Um, So I did that and just started bouncing around to different movies, worked on Beowulf with Jack. That's where I first met him, was at Sony Pictures. Um, Bounced around movies and games. I have like 33 games that I've worked on, like uh, Gears of War 3, um, Left 4 Dead, um, a bunch of the uh, 2K Sports titles, and even like Wii Cheerleading. Uh, which is still his favorite. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the best title. No matter what he tells on. you, he leaves here and he still goes <laughs> and <plays laughs> right at the top. Uh, but yeah, just bounced around between movies and video games, and um, ended up at DreamWorks five years ago, where I met Sean, and where I am now there as a layout artist, uh, kind of specializing in uh, camera work, so like cinematography. So I'm kind of like a mini DP if you will, there, and um, help out with animation sometimes because I have an animation kind of semi-background, and that's me. Hi, my name's Jason Pekka. Um, I, uh, real. Hi, Jay. Hi. <clears throat> this side of the table is the current active game development game uh, studio people. These this guys all have the, the retirees. The retirees, yeah. <laughs> they moved on to the movie industry. Um we work at, or I, I'll let you Just say your piece. Too, <laughs> Hi, this is, Sean, this is Sean Kearney as well. Uh, we work at Disney Mobile. Um, I'm an engineering manager there. There, uh, I've worked on the the last game that I actually like worked on for a while was Where's My Mickey. I worked on Stack Rabbit for a little bit. Uh, Where's My Perry, and then I was one of the original developers on Where's My Water. Uh, I'm programmer to the bone, to the to the core. Uh, so I wrote like some of the water physics in Where's My Water, some of the rendering technology for our C++ engine. And uh, before that, we did uh, Jelly Car 3. And then before that, I was an intern and I just worked on kind of like prototypes for like potential new ideas for games. And in uh, in college, I worked on an indie game that isn't really popular, but for some reason still get emails about it. It's called Devil's Tuning Fork, which is 
free on a website somewhere. So if you Google that, you can see what that was all about. I went to college and I'm from Chicago. I went to college at DePaul University. I did my undergrad and undergrad and my grad degree there in computer game development. Like I knew going in, this is what I wanted to do. So, And I'm Sean Kearney. I'm a lead game designer at Disney Mobile. And so I worked on a lot of the same games as Jay, um, Where's My Perry, uh, <clears throat> StackRabbit. Um, before that, I was in console development at Disney or sorry, console publishing at Disney. <clears throat> Um, did a bunch of like name any Disney license. I worked on a lot of those games in pre-production and that sort of space. Um, I got into games in college. I went to USC uh, downtown and I was really interested in film and uh, started to get interested in games. Um, like where I was always interested in playing games, but started getting interested in working on them. And as I got interested, I realized that SC had a program that they were just starting in game development and production. And so I started taking classes in there and I got a minor in game design and met um, a couple of people at like a demo day working on some student project that worked for Disney. And um, I got recruited to an internship and then worked there for a couple of years, left, went to a couple startups doing iOS games, um, like iPhone and iPad stuff. And then um, came back to work with Jay and a couple other guys on a handful of games, uh, mobile games. Is this just because your movie <clears throat> taste was horrible and they all figured that out? Or? I think so. No, did, did I we just come I, up with no, that no, podcast. No, no, no. I will say what what happened was um, <clears throat> one of the things was I was at orientation and or not. I guess not even orientation. Like uh, I was in a, a lot of film classes, and in every film class, like somebody would come in, they'd be like, "Hey, no matter how good you are." Like, there are no jobs. Like, you're just not going to, like, have fun. You're not going to get a job, right? And then I took one games class, and somebody walked in and was just like, hey, the cool thing about this industry is, like, we have so many jobs, and, like, there's not <laughs> enough people to fill them. And I was kind of like, that sounds fun. <laughs> and so I will say that was that was part of it. And then also it was it was kind of a cool program. Um, so you mean it could have been construction? Like, I whenever they yeah, walked if in. some dude walked in and was like, hey, you know what's crazy? He's like, we have nobody to wash all these cars. <laughs> like, I may be sitting at a, at a car wash right now. <laughs> we'd still be on the podcast. Different. Different. I'd still be we on the podcast. We would have recruited you from, yes. the, yeah, from the car wash. And at this point, yeah. seriously, somebody could walk through right now and say the same thing, and he'd probably jump on that. Yeah, I, I, be prepared. If you guys know of any growing industries, <laughs> I'd like it. Emerging yeah. markets. Sean. Yeah, what do you guys know about bakeries? I hear those are in season. <laughs> we got recruited for the podcast. We were on it initially talking about where's my water. And then, um, I don't know, maybe we were like cooling out. Yeah, because it originally started with me, Sean, Jack. You were less cool than us. And yes, that made pretty it much. Yeah, that made it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Appreciate that. A guy, Jason, that used to be on it, and then another guy that used to be on it, his name was Adam McFarlane. He was a producer on the show Top Gear. He still is, yeah. Yeah, he still is. Um, and he used to be on the show, too. And, you know, we would – we have lives, so outside <laughs> some of us do. Some of us do. Don't listen to him. So this is like, all you know, we do. When we do this like once a week or we attempt to do this once a week, not all of us can make it. So sometimes it you know dwindles down and, you know, it's very rare that all of us – at the time, there was only five of us, um, were actually in the room at the same time. And <clears throat> then we would kind of bring guests in. We have, we've had guests from like all over, uh, very different genres and stuff like that, be on the show. And then, yeah, 
as uh, Adam left, and um, we picked up Jason. These two chuckleheads, man. <laughs> These two exactly. chuckleheads came back and were like, we're again? And we also do have one more person, Liz Heron, who's a... Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Who she, she's a female. <laughs> well, no, unfortunately, unfortunately, she's on the she show, but she's, she couldn't make it. Yeah, she uh, runs uh, user testing and playability testing at Disney Mobile. And that's actually how I believe we met you guys. Yes, was yes. You guys came in and were testing Where's My Water, I believe. Yes. Some of our here games. at Nerdtastic and 3D, yeah. we like to be diverse, so we yeah. figured we better bring a woman on. Yes, <laughs> or our listening ship will just go down. Yeah, no, she she's amazing, actually. Yeah, she's giving a guest lecture at USC tonight. Um, it just unfortunately we got double booked, but somebody we didn't introduce is our Which amazing moderator. Hello, I'm Ross. <laughs> I'm Ross Blotcher, and um, thank you for inviting me to moderate this show tonight. Uh, so I graduated from Woodbury University. I went here to this very university that we are sitting in and uh, studied in the animation program. Uh, after that, I did a variety of, uh, goodness, rotoscoping work and commercials and ink and paint and whatever would come about, uh, but uh, started compositing and I got to work on the Simpsons movie. So that was my first feature film. And then after that, I really, really, really wanted to work on Princess and the Frog with uh, John Musker and Ron Clements. So I petitioned Disney over and over and tried to pull all my favors. And uh, so ended up working on that film as a technical director and uh, then went on to Winnie the Pooh, uh, the theatrical version from 2011. And for the last three years, I have been a training project manager at Disney Feature Animation. So that is where I am currently. Um, and then uh, to pimp my other project, uh, totally unrelated to animation, but related to podcasting. Uh, I'm co-host of a show where we investigate claims of the uh, supernatural and extraordinary claims, alternative diets, stuff like that, um, and report on the results. And that's at onopodcast.com. Yeah, we're going to totally bleep Nicole's that out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I want to listen. Hold up. Now I'm fascinated. And I know this is supposed to be about us, but he threw a, he threw a curveball that he didn't mention earlier. Okay, dude. Seriously, alternative diets. Oh, yeah. I, you you went from ghosts to alternative diets. What, what, what I've put myself diets? through some very uncomfortable I, okay, situations. That's what I was hoping to say. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. We'll have to get into that another time, I guess. Have them on Unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So, um, I mean... As we have an audience here, what's kind of the majority of what you guys are departments are you in or majors? Shout it out. We don't really care. Yeah, the microphones will pick you up. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't what's all speak at once, do apparently. Animation. 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 You're in the right place. There you go. Like games. Games. games? Okay. Right. Excellent. Anybody else? Animation. 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 Games. 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 Yeah. Film. 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 There we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We make movies, too. Storytelling. Story all right. All right. It's kind of important. She's kind of got you all beaten what you're <laughs> telling stories. Yeah, <laughs> That's sort of the front runner of all of the stuff that we do. What's that? It's the storytelling. Storytelling. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Which <laughs> isn't always good. Kearney stays employed. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Any they, call it, they call it BSing his yep. business. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what we were thinking is first is that uh, I'm sure – one of the things, the reason we did this too, is just mostly, like I said, how important I thought it was when I was in school, when somebody would come in and talk. And I always felt for the most part, they just sat and talked the whole time and you never really got a lot of good questions, kind of what you were thinking about, what's the industry like, what you want to do. We keep it real. So if you have a question you were scared to ask your instructor, throw it at us because we, we 
we do you know we do it all cold hard truth yeah exactly you won't like the answer probably everything we say um, they beat us, <laughs> but, but between the, between the group of us, we've we've kind of covered uh, the entertainment business um, as, as almost as a whole. Uh, and if if not, one of us knows somebody who's doing it currently. Uh, my the guy I lived with on his couch when I first drove out here is a uh, is a gaffer and a lighter, and uh, I believe he's uh, and been he's switching over to become a DP, so he's doing a lot of that film. But he's done all the pirates movies um, across the board, and I, I talk to him all the time, so I get that side of the industry from him a lot. Um, which I like to just look at it from a distance for you film guys because the hours he works makes mine look <laughs> just yeah, lovely. Yes. Um, and you will realize as you get in this more, this industry is beyond small. You will know somebody at some studio somewhere, like a two-degree separation. It's just like, I know him and then he's there. And so basically – Just be cool. Don't talk just shit be cool. because yeah. – no, I'm just kidding. I mean, just but you kind of – yeah, just don't uh, – it's don't very, burn any bridges. It's very easy to, to to burn bridges, I guess, if you will. There's a trade-off I always illustrate that if you're a really nice person, you can be as skilled – you know, you need to have the skills. But, you know, you can be as skilled as you need to be for the job. But the meaner a person you become, the more skilled you have to be for people to put up with you. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know. There's a, there's a woman animator that was oh. – uh, yeah, see? Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she um, you know – she got she's known. Yeah, she, the she's known. And but basically she got hired for all of these spots where, you know, OK, she get hired on, on a on movie. I think her first movie was Bolt. And, you know, so she, you know, worked on a feature film, Disney Project Bolt. You know, then after that, everybody was just like, God, this chick is just a nightmare. Not that she probably couldn't do the work. Actually, I don't even know. But she was just horrible personality wise. Thought she was just like the total awesomeness of everything. And so, of course, then she goes to another studio because they don't know yet. And she gets like these other great, you know, big titles and stuff like that. And then she leaves. And because she gets basically let go. And um, she's never, I don't think, ever been fired. It's just like her project ends and they're just like, we're not hiring this chick again. But she keeps going to these studios and studios and her reel and her resume looks amazing. So any studio like looks at this and it's like, of course you're going to hire this person. But now I think it's literally she is made she's around of, of every studio. She's out of studios that she can go to. And so yeah, she's she's wrong. There's not a person. I, I And I know a lot of people in, in the L.A. region of studios. And there's not a single one of them who doesn't know who this person is or have worked with this person. It's it's a very for the, for the ladies out there, the lady out there. Yeah, um, we got one. For the we got film, two. We got three. Film, 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 film. No, no, you, you're a prop. You're a prop for ladies. <laughs> um, it's a very, very which I you can see in this room. It's a very male dominated, and that's that's film, film games, and it's transitioning a bit. But yeah, exactly. actually, it is. And, Your and ratio, you will just make it like a bandit. She, <laughs> I don't know how to put this. But I, I just I'm going to put it the way I would normally put it. She, she was, she, she was talented and smart enough to use her assets to she was to stay hot. in point. Uh, and we're not going to lie, she was very, very. <laughs> she, she was attractive. There, yes, she was very attractive for this in, for a period. She was this very attractive period, and she would have everyone come help her, and 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 it became a distraction. Uh, our friends who worked with her at Sony Imageworks, it would become a distraction. Like, it was really bad. But it it only became humorous when I would talk to other friends. And they'd be like, yeah, we hired this girl. And it would always start with, 
super hot, but man, she can't. And I would go, I don't know. And they go, you know her? I'm like, you know her, dude. Every studio knows her, but you don't want to work with her. Yeah, really. Like, exactly. We just let her go. I don't want to work with her either. I really don't appreciate Put it this way. You, you don't want to be that person. I really don't appreciate you not using my name <laughs> and referring to me as a woman. All right? So. Okay, Sean Kearney's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to name. Super hot. Sorry. I don't like you didn't want to listen. Yeah. You didn't want to listen. That's why depending, games now. Depending on the studio that you end up interviewing at, chances are if it's a big studio like DreamWorks or Disney or Pixar or anything like that, um, by the time you're interviewing, they already know you can do the job. Chances are they know you can do the job. They're trying to see what type of person you are. They're trying to see, are you going to be easy to work with? Are you going to be, are you going to fit into the team? And so that interview is really more of how to just show that you can be a normal person and get your work done and not so much proving what you can do unless you have absolutely no experience. If you have no experience on the table, then that interview is half. Can you really do the job? Are you thinking about it the way that we're thinking about it? The, the other half is, are you going to be cool or are you going to be kind of hard to work with? So Unless yeah. it's a programming interview, and it then it'll probably yeah. be four then hours of white. You have carte blanche, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have a nickel. You can't you speak. You raise a million dollars in two <laughs> yeah. minutes. Yeah. You go. can't speak, but you, you can, can write, write everything up on the board. You're good to go. Exactly. So, Yeah, I, we... I, I, at every lecture I give everything, and I used to actually teach a class specifically right before kids would graduate just about this because of the friends I had. It's the entertainment industry as a whole, and that's video games, film, animation, is so politically driven. Um, and you would think, you know, it, it's hard to think that that would be like that outside of maybe where the actors are. But like Josh said, the community is so small that any studio of any size would much rather take a referral from somebody than necessarily just take the cold call. Now, don't get me wrong. There's many, many cases where if your stuff is awesome coming right out of school, you're still going to get looked at. That's just that's that's the just the fact of the matter. But a lot of positions, because the downscaling on a lot of studios, it's going to come down to, hey, we're hiring for this department. Hey, Sean, do you know any? Well, how many people since yeah, I've worked there have I got fired? I yeah. mean, the guy sits next to me. I, I pushed to finally, you know, I got him in. And it's because uh, I'm a firm believer in that because yeah. – when you develop those relationships, uh, you can call it karma, you can call it what you want, but those will serve you well throughout your entire career. Yeah. Because maybe I won't be a DreamWorks forever, but all those people I've helped in my career, I can come back to and be like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I, you miss me too. Okay, now give me a job. Yeah. <laughs> um, Plus there's just a level of trust there too. You get absolutely. together and you're like, okay, how do we get this job done? Let's do this job. You and know they can do the job. You easy. know they're going to mix with everybody else you're sitting with and Film, game, all of it. We work long hours, period. And the last thing you want at 10 o'clock, you've been there be, since 8 a.m. to be pissed at the is guy next to, to Oh, my God. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, I love where I'm at now because I work with a lot of my friends. But there's people I work with now currently that I, I, can't, I can't be in a room with more than 10, 15 minutes. Most of them are on this show. <laughs> and that's why I don't work at Disney Mobile. <laughs> and just know that before you apply there, you yeah. get that. It's not a bad place. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big fan of himself down there, to, 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 to say the least. But I, but I do really preach that to students who are in school because I think it can be very easy to get isolated sometimes when you're in school and sort of want to do your own thing. I, I know Sean probably can attest to that. Oh, like uh, probably the biggest thing that I stressed as I was a teacher is you guys have to learn to work together because when you're out there, you're going to be working together, right? You're going to be working in a team. You're not going to be in a closet somewhere. 
depending. You're not going to be in a closet somewhere just doing stuff by yourself. You're going to be working in a team. You're going to be reporting to people. You're going to be, ex- there are going to be expectations of you. They're going to deliver on. You're going to need to be a social person. I think, um, do you want to Jay, t- touch on this a bit? Because I, I, I would think maybe a stigma would be like, well, if I'm a coder, I can just sit in my bedroom and just code all day long. I'm never going to, but then I go and visit them and their, their, their whole studio and their team, they're out in the open. Their cubes are like, I'm sitting next to Ross as close. What's up, dude? What's up? I mean, like, you're, you're, you're constantly in it. Yeah, I mean, especially, I think, um, in, in mobile, because the teams tend to be smaller, you, you're very, it's a very collaborative environment. Like, we, our team sizes range from, like, 4 to 20 people. And, uh, and it's not like, okay, you write the, Sean writes the game design document, and then we don't talk, and he just passes me a piece of paper, and then I code it based off the game design document we don't work that way at all. We're actually like, let's talk about what the game design is. Let's talk about how to implement it. Uh, talk to the artists will come up and be, and you know, like have questions about the way we're going to implement things. So that readability is at the forefront. Um, it's just a super collaborative environment. And w- like when I do interviews for, for programmers, I'm absolutely looking for, for skill, but it's also uh, a very social place. So the social skills are, are a very big portion of that. For it. So, absolutely, super important. Yeah. Especially dealing with you, too. <laughs> yeah. Look at that, like, oh, God forbid. <laughs> no, we're very collaborative. And, and like Jay said, there's there's not that many of us on the team. And so, kind of everybody has ownership of the game. And it isn't a thing of like, oh, Jay programmed it, I designed it, uh, Vincent, our artist, you know, did all the art. It's much more like, hey, we all made this game. And uh, they, I think that's the only way to really make something good is yeah. for everyone to feel some ownership and, and not turning turning out better that way because yeah. everyone wants to make it the best thing that they can because all of you are responsible for it. Yeah, so. I, I got a question for you guys because in in the game industry, like when I interview somebody, I absolutely want to see games that they've made. Like if you're a great programmer, show me a game that you made. And I know, especially on the film side, you could do smaller productions and and uh, but for 3D. It, can tend to be probably a little bit more work to do that to um, do your own i mean i, I don't know that's like a, a short, so what I, like a my, my question for you guys is like what what do you expect when when you're interviewing a, an animator or, or like is it just a reel or is it like an actual finished product or you know what what, what kind of stuff do you it's guys typically do? a reel i mean we, we work in um we work in a large studio so a large studio is very specialized there are specialized departments and you're going to do one type of job for the duration of that show so typically when we're reviewing reels for crowds or for animation you're looking at that work and only that work and they may show you ancillary work like oh there's some effects work here and there's some hair and cloth here those those tend to sort of bleed together in some cases where like an effects artist says, oh you did hair and cloth yeah you might be able to work out effects it usually doesn't go that way it usually goes from effects towards hair and cloth and not the opposite direction um, but typically in a crowds department, for example, which is what I know best is we're looking for people that understand motion. We're looking for people that understand composition and, uh, we're looking for people that have done a few characters on screen and not just one single animation piece or, um, something like that. Um, because typically we're reusing animation that has been done for us as a crowd department. However, if we're hiring you to be that cycle animator that's produced that animation, we want to see animation. We want to see mechanics. We want to see performance. And um, we want to see variety, right? That's the one thing that a lot of students don't have on their reel is a variety of types of work. So if you're going for an animation position, you need to be able to show that you have mechanics down. And you need to be able to show if you're going for a character animation role that you can 
emote through acting. your animation. You need to be able to show acting and not just acting, but a range of emotion. You need to be able to go from A to B and have it motivated and have it feel right. <clears throat> so that's I, the kind of stuff that we'd be looking for. I can tell you from a standpoint for, uh, for video games, for consoles, uh, we just had on the show, one of my, one of my best friends, uh, Mike Yash, who's a, uh, animation supervisor at Naughty Dog, did Last of Us, um, some other titles for Uncharted them. 3. Uncharted. Um, he, what they do over there is uh, no matter who you are. So I've been, I've been animating for over 10 years now. But if I hand in my reel, no matter what I have on it, they'll go, this is awesome. All right, you ready for your test? They give you an actual test where they cover almost all the bases. One of them is an acting section. Another one's an, uh, an action section. And it's a time test. You're given a certain amount of days to do this. Um, and what's funny, and I found this interesting, I was talking to them about this, is that if they you give it back and it looks good, but they could they look at how finesse it is and whatnot because they know these guys they're pros. He's he's actually one of the best animators I've ever worked with. We animated together on Fight Club. He um, and he's a straight ahead animator, which means he doesn't block in anything. He just can animate with goes and uh, but he can look at stuff and go. This kid stayed up for three days straight. He didn't sleep. He didn't know. Now, which is awesome, and the animation looks great. But they can tell. So what they'll do at that point, they'll say, well, come in for the day. We want to give you some tasks while you're here. Now, all of a sudden, you're in studio, and they say, okay, well, can you do some of those run cycles and stuff that you just did? You know, that looked awesome in there. And they're like, but we need it done in just the, the four hours, you know, that we're here. Um, and they'll give that sort of reality to those, those people on the spot. Now, they're a little more extreme, but they've also won animation awards for video games the last, I don't know, three or four years ago. Um they hire film people. Um, I worked on Uncharted too. Well, good for well, you. No one Josh. likes you, Josh, <laughs> or what you did on that game. <laughs> but uh, that, they take another approach, and a lot of the other game studios do that. So be prepared if you're going to be an animator and want to go into video games. There's potential that they're going to ask you to do a test, and it could run the gambit of a simple. Like I know Blizzard gave one of our friends. Uh, he was getting re- he was applying to go on to World of Warcraft, and it was. They wanted some fighting cycles, so he had to do a lot of, like, a big ogre with an axe and just showing weight and showing motion. Um, and then you have the Naughty Dog example, which could be a lot of animation. They wanted an acting section. They wanted two characters acting. They want an obstacle course that they give you. They, you know, And that's an extreme thing, and that could be for anybody. Uh, but what I think is awesome for that, for you guys, for anybody who wants to be in animation who's here, is that level playing field. I have no advantage other than maybe I'm better than you at animating. But I don't know, you're coming out of school, maybe you're better than me. And it becomes a level playing. And I, and I say that's important because it can be discouraging when you get out of school. And this is for everybody here and what you're going to get into, that what you create, you, you look online, you're like, well, man, I'm competing against these other people who have all this body of work for jobs. Because that's a reality too, right? We all get laid off and I'm going to look for a job. And if, I, if I'm looking for the job same time you are, I'm going to be like, hire me, man. I've done all this stuff. Yeah. Experience. Experience. I got experience. Check this out. They just got out of school. Look at me. But if we're going for a test, they don't care. And Mike has told me, I I always joke with him. I'm like, yeah, you're my backup plan, dude. I'm coming to Naughty Dog. As soon as DreamWorks, man. As soon as DreamWorks goes under, man. As soon as Disney buys that lot over there, I'm getting out out of there. Uh, But I I think that's awesome for you guys. And that's something to sort of stay positive about is that not to get discouraged when you get out with your work. I mean, try to strive for that level. I used to tell my students that who want to get in it, they pick their field, they want to get in. They're like, I don't know what to do. Is this good enough? 
Go in the whole thing called the internet. Yeah. What does yeah. it look like? <laughs> look at the people. Do a quick Google search. Put it right next to it. a blizzard. Yeah. Hey, God, man, with LinkedIn now and everything else, you could, you literally could put a company's hierarchy of who's in that department and then go web page by web page and see what they did. And, and that's your, that's your template. And, and, and I think the same, same thing can be said for, uh, for games now too, because the, the tools that are available, like we use unity now at our, our, studio almost exclusively so and that's a free game engine that you can download right now on the web and you can build a game yourself you can find assets on the internet if you're not an animator and you you don't know anybody who's an animator which you should but if you don't you can you know you can find assets that are like free to use and build your own game on there josh would love to animate for you josh for free um but yeah i mean like if you come into an interview and say like yeah, this is these are the three games that I've worked on. One of them was a student project. Two of them I did on my own, or whatever. And you know, of course, you, you want to make sure they're at least fairly polished. They don't have to be AAA, obviously. But um, that that looks way better to me as an interviewer than uh, somebody saying like, "Yeah, I aced all my classes, and you know, I I have a 4.0 GPA, but I don't have any games to show you." You know what I mean? So I think that uh, you. The, in, in the animation industry, you can you can you have the software. You can you can build your reel up. And in the games industry, like any game engine, Unity it doesn't even have to be. I mean, if you're going for a 3D a, a studio that does a lot of 3D, you probably want to do 3D. But Game Maker is a 2D engine, and and you know a lot of a lot of studios are doing 2D now, us included. So uh, just make games. You know, that's like the. I'll key. I'll, uh, I'll tie in, I'll tie it up on a little bow here for the for the film students um, and uh, or the film student. In the back, uh, for for my buddy Danny, I know when I moved out, he his big thing is I'm sure you're doing it now. He literally any project that was on Craigslist, it felt like he would do. I mean, if it was coming out of USC, UCLA, he did not care who was doing the project, what student was doing the project, or whatnot. He would go and work those shoots. I, he his his like when I came out, like he moved out probably three or four months before I did. By the time I got out, he had one page full of movies. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, you're like, like a slave out here, and it, he just motivated. And I think that's a big thing: stay motivated. And uh, and it did, and it led to being on the right production at the right time. That flipped. That he got enough hours to get his union card, and now, yeah, he's insane. Like he he came over to lunch at DreamWorks the other day, and we were sitting talking. He's because he's he's trying to transition to be a DP, so he's been building over the last couple of years his uh, his camera kit for himself. The lenses this kid has. I mean, if anybody's in here is into photography, just got insane number of lenses. And I'm a dork when it comes to photography, dude. I was just like, what? Like ones that you like see like Sports Illustrated guys on the side of the NFL. He's like, I got that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really use that. I mean, like, what? what? Well, give it to me. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I'll take any of that stuff. So anyway, the point is produce. Just yeah. produce. <laughs> to keep producing. Hey. I feel like our moderator is super lonely. We yeah, have not let we, you get we, one. We no, should no, let the okay. moderator I agree with that. ask <laughs> <some> <laughs> questions. <laughs> Ross concurs. So spot on. Though, uh, to some of the earlier points, uh, animation, and I assume game design is an itinerant position. You know, it's not one of those things where you go work for the Shell Corporation, you know, and you get hired and you work there for 40 years. Uh, everybody kind of moves <laughs> around. and that I, I don't know where that example came from. But, uh, you know, you move around a Work lot. Work for Shell is what he's getting and at. He's, he's a spokesperson for the oil industry. Or, I'm a shill for clearly Shell. clearly that is a safer bet at this point. Uh, Wait a second. Is Shell a safe bet? Because I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> you sold, you sold, uh, 
you sold a Tell me a little shot. bit more about this show corporation. As was being alluded to, be prepared to move around. That's just part of the job. It's not it's not a reflection on you, uh, but you've just got to keep producing, keep making stuff. Yeah, it actually make, it makes you better at your job. Yeah, because timing sometimes just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to like, you can be an amazing guy, amazing worker, good job. Lady too. Ladies, <laughs> lady worker, ladies workers, um, and uh, ladies man. Well, and, uh, just made you face palm. But um, yeah, yeah, your project's done, and they got nothing to roll on to. So it's just like, take care, see ya, thank you, and you're just like, but I did so well. Yeah, you did. Thanks a lot. Go you do got it somewhere paid else. for that. Yeah, and, ta-da. Um, now we're done. And so, I mean, there was be a time where I had a job and it was one week. So I got hired, and the second day I was there, I took my lunch break to go to another job interview because that's why I was it. You know, it was done. It was a com- commercial work is very fast and stuff like that. And so you just kind of you can do that, and sometimes it'd be three months or it's three years, and then two weeks, and then two months, and so it's a very sporadic thing. And now, unfortunately, because so many studios have closed in like Los Angeles, this used to be like you know the home of like fifteen thousand studios, not really that many, but you know. <laughs> Uh, but now there are say in Canada. So if you guys are young and don't have responsibilities like some of us do, I don't have much though. Like these guys, that's actually an advantage yes. as well. So yeah. work, go. Not all of us look it, but uh, a lot of us have families, uh, and it's a lot tougher for us to make those moves. I think I'm the only one who looks like I have a family in this whole panel. <laughs> I got a family. I got nothing. You do have a dog. I have a You're dog. looking at you do have a dog. Yeah. You two are Loving next. <laughs> don't you, don't you, all three of you down there are next. But that's I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, that's an advantage you guys have is that the the amount of especially in the visual effects industry, the amount of outsourcing now is just abundant. Uh and it's I we we joke, it's so funny. I mean like it's a young man's game. It's a young man's game. Yeah. Uh, and that's an advantage because you can you can pack up head up to Vancouver, work on these projects and stay there. And when Vancouver runs out, like it will, I'm foreshadowing, guys. Sounds like You heard it here on Nerdtastic in 3D. <laughs> You're the first when one to can, when, when Vancouver wises up that they don't want to pay that tax credit, like every other every other country and state tries to for their little stint, it's going to move to another place up there uh, and so on and so on. But that's kind of the advantage you have right now is you'll get to do that. Um, or so, young woman's game. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I say it's sort of like mankind, but that's sort of everything, right? Isn't that how that works? <laughs> keep digging. I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> in that hole. Oh, that's the one where I keep digging. It gets really bad. Or I'm like, but I like women. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I have a black friend. This is bad. What? <laughs> yeah, just digging, 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 digging. Dig yeah. But. So yeah, let's um, see if the moderator has any yeah. any questions or questions, clips or whatever. All right. Well, how about uh, from the audience? Do we have any pressing questions from anything? It's been said Any already. topic, anything. Bring it up. Yes. Um, since you guys have both, or some of you have worked in both games and film, what have you found to be like the major differences between the two, and what makes you like lean towards one over the other? Um, or is it just project based? Really? Well, on, well, before, so it used to be, and it still kind of is. There's a stigma of games are below movies. You know, it's like, oh, you have game quality, but you don't have feature film quality. That's blah, right. Blah, blah. And you guys, These guys have are been friggin' that to us. Yeah. <laughs> Since we joined this show. Once again, you heard it here. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, the, the way um, games, the productions of them so much now, they're almost like 
movies themselves. Um, so that stigma is kind of gone away. And like for me, game wise, I personally, I didn't really work so much in besides when I first was doing the mocap stuff, uh, dealt with like the game mechanics, like doing the game matrixes and stuff like that. Yes, I did all the moves for going left and right and, and, and fixed all those sort of things. But it's like I didn't have to program it in or really deal with that type of stuff. I dealt a lot with the cinematics, um, dealing with that sort of stuff. So it, in a way, it was pretty similar. Um, and honest to God, uh, a lot of us too, I'm sure, can agree with this. Um, when you're first starting and you first – wanting to get these jobs, you're really excited about your project. You know, it's just like, say if you're a huge World of Warcraft fan and you want to go work at Blizzard, like you're going to be, oh my God, I'm working, you know, here. And you're super excited and you will be extremely let down in a way because you're going to be a little guy in a big, you know, in a big pond. And, you know, there's all these kinds of different stigmas with that but then you know the movie side too you have that same sort of thing um, on that uh, on that same thread uh, you know another similarity between games and movies now is that the budgets are very similar exactly and i know at disney we've hired people from the blizzard cinematics department because you know they're doing the same thing we are well they hire film people the other way too oh yeah. so same that's what i was going to ask about next is yeah what what is the back and forth between those two industries and has it improved over time yeah i i I'm going to touch on his question first, just because it was, it was I I was a hardcore gamer, uh, PC game. I was I was the Quake guy. I'd go to QuakeCon and be like, I if this all fell apart, I'm like I'm a like, <laughs> professional gamer. Seriously, professional gamer. That that was. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I kind of <laughs> still wish I was a professional gamer. Um, but and when I moved down here, though, it kind of changed into I will take any job. It was cool at first when I, especially you walk into a studio and, and I love the movie Fight Club and I walk in and, and they wouldn't tell me what the game was, but the concept art was everywhere. I'm like, this, okay, this is insanity. This Tell me this is the game. But the reality turned into sort of what Josh is saying is that, and, and I kind of, this, this, which is similar in movies too, I guess, but it's, it's, you have these hopes and dreams of what something's going to be. And I, and I think this is the case of startups. They were a new studio where I think if you go to Blizzard you, and you get hired, you're working on World of Warcraft, you know what you're getting into. It's World of Warcraft. Maybe you love it, maybe you hate it, but that's what you, you know what you're going to – you go to Infinity Ward, guess what? You make get to make Call of Duties. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like those big companies, you know exactly what you're getting into. You go to a small startup that maybe got a license right to say, I don't know, Fight Club um, as their first title. You have hopes and dreams because that's your first job and maybe you love the movie and you're like, this is going to be the best uh, – I, I can't believe I'm getting to work on this – to – you know, when I got in, it was like, oh, oh, you don't pay overtime. Okay, that's cool. Well, that's cool. Um, oh, but I'm gonna have to be here till ten every night. Uh, okay. Well, now you need to be here on Saturdays too. Okay. Hey, I'm gonna need you to come you in be, on Sunday. Too. You gotta be great. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and and you're like, okay, okay, cool. This game's gonna be amazing. Well, Jack. I, I, I know you had I know you were handling because for a long time for that game I, I was handling their mocap form too I was doing animation but they had nobody who knew mocap but me so I'd handle going to do the shoots and I was going to handle the cinematics. We lost the budget for cinematics, so we're going to do cards in motion. Huh? Huh? <laughs> and I yeah yeah no it was everything you hoped and dreamed it was right there. And I watched something that was kind of – it was my first thing, but it was kind of like a baby to me, like as a whole. 
start to get stripped from me. And I realized in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm as much as I felt everything was collaborative, it really wasn't. I was a pawn, not only the, not only the, the owners of the company, which was fine. They were actually really cool guys. It was to the publisher who I worked with. And I think that's the case even on bigger games. I think any of the Call of Duty guys, Triarch or Infinity Ward, Activision still pulls the, you know, and, and I realized, man, I'm, I don't get to do the creative stuff I want to do. And I, and, I, and I got to watch that game sink, and it was just heartbreaking. Um, but I also, when I moved out here, the goal for me, and I think this is for all you guys who are in school, you probably have a main goal. And for me, it was to be in movies. Because I knew if I get out here, my parents, if I work in video games, dude, my parents are never going to play a game to the end of the game, mind you. You can't just load in the credits and go, oh, there's Jack Eckler. No, 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 they get you like that. You got to play through the game to get to my name. So I, I haven't even seen my name in Fight Club. I know it's there, <laughs> but I haven't played it through. But I knew if I worked on films, which I loved anyways, my parents in Florida could go out and see that. And that was important to me. Um, so the first chance I got, I was like, a buddy gave me, and you talk about networking, a friend of mine who worked for free at Asylum until they finally hired him. was like, hey, we need an animator for this movie called Sky High Disney's doing. And they have a spot for a junior guy. Do you want it? I was like, oh, yeah. They're like, what do you have? And I'm like, I'm just doing these these 50 cent animations. I, I don't know. And like, we'll just send them over. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, send them over. I would literally animate something, create a quick time, and then FTP it to them from the game studio as I'd finish it. I wouldn't <laughs> even get approved. Pretty much like not good. You shouldn't do that, mind you. You shouldn't pretty do that. Really you shouldn't that. do that. Do but this is like where that. I was at. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here. <laughs> uh, that's where I was at. I'm like, I need a job, job. And I want to get in there. And then he said, hey, we're playing paintball this weekend. Come out and do this. And I was like, paintball? What? Like, just come out and meet them. Networking. And the paintball <laughs> thing turned out to be the best thing ever for me because those guys just, like, we were just awesome. I had a blast. Um, and they brought me out for an interview and hired me the same day. And I was, like, doing the Toyota jump, like, through the O uh, when I left there. Going, <laughs> and you bought that really nice paintball gun. I I wanted to. If you don't get it wrong, when I left, going, I'm like, yeah. I'm going to do this now professionally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that guy. He actually, yeah, he I'm that get, guy. I do anything once. I'm like, I think I can do this professionally. Yeah. You didn't get the job, but you had a blast. I had a blast. <laughs> but, uh, but then film, I found... The excitement was just said. I got in and I'm like, the Sky High movie. I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. But then we also got Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do that. And then at the same time, we got some Nintendo Game Boy commercials in. They're like, yeah, you get to animate Link and stuff. I'm like, I want to do everything. And I was like, I was like a workaholic. I was doing anything and everything they would give me. But then as the time went on, I realized that creative power I thought I had and what I was doing kind of wasn't there either. And I kind of like, I'm like, man, it'd be cool if we did this. You're like, sure would. But yeah, yeah, they don't pay like, you for that. It's, yeah, it's one of those things too where, like, kind of piggybacking with the piggybacking off what he said is, um, like, you have these cool and amazing projects. You know, it could be a game, could be a movie, and stuff like that. But really, after you kind of have gone through the, oh, I'm really excited to work like on this. I'm really excited to work on that. You won't be if you hate the people you're working with. So now at this point, like I said, we cheerleading. I loved working on that game because of the crew I was working on. Some of the funniest guys besides these lovable characters right here. I know. So, um, like I said, for kind of cycling back to your question, no difference in terms of now because it's really who I work with. And who yeah, and they and they hire back and forth. And this goes to your, your question. is It's funny. I, I, I With my ex-wife, we bought a place in uh, Playa Vista, a townhome down there, and the guy who lived across the street – um, I worked with at Rhythm and Hughes, and he was a lighter. 
um, during the time when we lived in these townhomes, we we pull out of our garages at the same time. We talked for a little bit about industry stuff, and then he took a cinematic strap of Blizzard, and he would you know drive out there. And uh, I was like, how is that? Do you like? Oh, he's a CG soup there on the cinematics team, and he's like, I love it. He's like, it's it's all it's all film guys. He goes, that's just the quality in the bar that they've set now that they try to get to. The team over a blur who does some just insane, insane cinematics for uh, for games. Uh, and they've been, they did the cinematics, or they did the opening to Fight Club <laughs> for our video game. Um, just what, out of curiosity, what is the first rule of the Fight Club game? I'm, I've talked too much about it. <laughs> you know, but the, the networking thing, I think back to that time and, and a couple years I was there with that crew. The guy, the, the, the row I sat in was six animators, three on each side in a table like this. Like a little bit longer, we just sat side by side animating. One's the Mike Yash guy who's the animation supervisor at Naughty Gog. The other is Zach. I forget Zach's last name. Zach is the animation supervisor at Infinity Ward. Um, Marad is at Treyarch, who's the art director now. They all have these insane jobs in the video game industry <laughs> that I can then go. Who else do you know, Jack? I'm <laughs> well, yes. that these people. There's one guy Barry owes well, friends with. <laughs> Barry's a great guy. Don't you ever smite Barry? I, I think one other thing to, to point out though too is is like our our artist for Where's My Water was an illustrator by training, and like he didn't think at the time that he gotten into the game industry that he there were a. a many jobs for them. And, and in AAA, there may not have been as many, but now that mobiles kind of really come up and there's a ton of indie stuff going on, like as an artist, you could probably find a job doing what you really want to do in the game industry. Uh, I can't speak to the, to the, you know, feature film industry, but definitely like 2d, <laughs> 2d illustrator animator. Like you can absolutely find a job in the game. Industry. Unless you're really yeah. good at making remakes. I don't <laughs> think there's a, another thing industry. about our entire team. I think, or a big part of our like core team is that we all came out of internships at different times at Disney. And so, um, that, uh, the artist that Jay's referring to Jay, myself, um, Chad, our other engineer, like a big chunk of us took, um, internships right after school or even I think a couple during school and it's it's a pretty cool way to get into the industry because the cool thing about an internship is they're not expecting a lot of experience when you apply for it right so there's a little bit of a low barrier of entry um, but especially at a place like Disney um, <clears throat> one Disney pays their interns which is cool even during the um, school year yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they Ours won't don't. not pay you. But then on top of that... We actually um, have two different intern times. One does One's pay. paid, yeah, one's Yeah, one, during the summertime, yeah. but you don't get credit. Oh, I don't... So I don't know the specifics, guys. <laughs> Listen, I'm not with HR, <laughs> but I know I got paid. Interns <laughs> so make a year. Yeah. <laughs> but the other good cars. thing about it is, um, especially I just know from working at Disney that they're pretty... They're pretty weird about, um, or I guess not pretty weird. This is probably pretty conventional. They like hiring people that have already worked for them. So once you're kind of, once you open that door and walk through it once, you're more likely to walk through it again, um, which is we've had interns that have gotten hired on right out of um, the internship. But we've also had guys who have done uh, an internship, left the company. Um, we, we didn't have a role for them. And then we hired them on six months later, a year later, something like that, when something opened up. So in the sense of the industry being very small, and then on top of that, especially at a company, um, I would say that when I graduated college, the majority of my friends who found jobs within like six months out of school all had an internship. And most of them 
got hired at that position. And I totally didn't take that seriously when I was in college. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to school and then, you know, I'm not going to do an internship. And then fortunately, I went right out of school. But uh, it's a pretty cool thing. And it's actually, I think it's easier to get one, especially an unpaid one than you really think it is, um, especially at a, a really cool place like a DreamWorks. Well, or like Nerdtask in 3D. We're looking for an intern. We yeah. will definitely <laughs> yeah. not pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing there's no credit involved either. No. Uh, yeah. yeah. But you Premier. get this. I'm pretty yeah. sure we have to be not for profit. We can get you. Yeah. To do that. yeah, I think we could get you like a drive-on maybe like every other week. You can get some free lunches at DreamWorks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you can go eat their lunch. free cereal they have at their studio. Yeah. Um, but uh-huh. we have a Slurpee machine, so we, do we have always machine. trump you, sir. What Was that what I thought it was? <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, good to know. The situation is pretty similar to Disney feature animation, too. We have a trainee program uh, for recently graduated people and an internship program for you know currently matriculated uh, students. And, yeah, a lot of people who start full-time at the studio come out of that position because you've already worked with a mentor. You've you know shown your ability. You know the pipeline. Exactly. Yeah, you already know the culture. So that that's a great, great place to get started and you just especially if you don't like they were talking about and and i i agree like in any industry i think i've only there's only like two or three jobs in my life and i'm talking like waiting tables everything that i've gotten without a recommendation or without knowing somebody but one good thing about an internship is that it very quickly you get to know a bunch of people and so it puts you in a good position that when a position opens up someone who um, you know, is your mentor or someone that you worked with there could go, hey, what about that person we had that was like doing great? That was an intern that we couldn't hire on. It's like, oh, yeah, let's see what she's doing. Let's call her up, you know, and it's it definitely I've seen it happen. I mean, I, where's my water was almost exclusively made by ex interns. And then um, the done kind of all right. Head person. Yeah, was a <laughs> was a QA got yeah. in through QA and made the way. So, I mean, it's like you're not. Uh, as much as it's important to, um, you know, land that first gig, I think sometimes what you're doing at school is really important if you take the time and kind of seek out some internships. Yeah, yeah take advantage of being here because uh, <clears throat> there's way more internships available in L.A. than I yeah. think in Chicago. There was like three. And- I think we ta- I think we've all <clears throat> talked about that at some point. I'm like, I pretty much knew in Orlando it was either go back to Goofy or come out here. <laughs> uh, that was kind of the options. Yeah. yeah. Whereas everybody I come out, everybody I talk to out here, when we have internships at, at uh, interns at DreamWorks, uh, look, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to USC or I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah. I'm like, and I just shake my head. I'm like, I would have given anything to have lived out here. It just, it, it would have, the advantages you guys have, I know it's probably tough to see at times, but the advantages you guys have for wanting to do what you're doing, everybody in this room for the fields you mentioned is insane. It literally is insane. And it is there for you guys to grasp. It's in Craigslist every day. I mean, jobs. You just need to be willing to want to do it and think that working for free can be okay for a bit if you can do it. Um, Sucks. Only but, for a little bit. Yeah. But no, fantastic. No, you can do it for as long as you want to do it. Exactly. <laughs> it's an open ended internship. Open-ended. <laughs> Another question. <laughs> Questions. Phil? Oh, yes. Uh, when you were talking about creative control a little bit earlier, um, are there any sort of positions that you've encountered like that you've had or other people you've seen had that kind of have a bit of creative control and also do the implementation? Yeah. I mean, our studio. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's, that's basically, I, I can't speak to other mobile studios, but our, that's basically our mm-hmm. studio. Like where's my water? 
we were basically given a, a, a set of guidelines like, you know, we want, we're obviously making a paid game. We want it to be accessible. So probably based on physics, maybe a puzzle game. And we just kind of a, a small group of people brainstormed a whole bunch of stuff. And then it was like, all right, we got to f- find out if this is fun. One of the dudes made a, a prototype in Unity and we found that that prototype is fun. So then it was like, all right, let's start making the, the water physics, the the rendering, the all the objects in the game. So um, I, I can't. I can't speak to, to bigger companies. I think in bigger companies, you tend to be a little bit more specialized, so you don't always get that. But in, in a small team, in mobile especially, like for the most part, depending on what company you work for, like you can have creative input and also be the person who's doing the implementation. I think on, on the film side of things, I, the, I think the most creative I've got to be is there's a, um, a job, it's, and, it, and it's pretty popular. There's a, there's a part of the production pipeline called pre-visualization that's used really common now. Uh, pre-visualization? pre-visualization? Yeah, I can't. Pre-visualization. Wait, is that where people like see ghosts? Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to look over here. Is there a giant? The answer is no. Okay. Um, <laughs> psychic. <laughs> I think Miss Cleo was a pre Don't ever work with him. Don't ever work with him. <laughs> So previs, Miss Leo. Previs. She was actually arraigned on fraud charges. Stupid. See there it is. Look, I'm, get, I'm getting a reality. Seen folks. it coming. You know you These sound, guys are brutal. You sound, you sound like a, a like a, a frog, like a, a royal. Did frog. I sound slow? I'm a royal frog. Seriously, people like me. Um, I got to tell myself that every morning I wake up because of Sean Kearney, who I hate. Um, no, doing previews on a couple films. Uh, I got handed uh, one in particular for uh, National Treasure Two. They they walked in. And this doesn't happen commonly. Usually you'll have storyboards that are handed to you and they say, hey, can you recreate this in 3D? And um, Which even that can be creative because you're the DP. They, you might get notes and say, hey, can you change the lens to this, this in 3D? But hey, it's up to me. I look at a storyboard. But this was actually, they walked in to me and uh, sort of my mentor and lead animator, uh, this guy, Matt Hackett, who for anybody who's seen uh, Matrix or iRobot or... Uh, uh, Flight of the Osiris from the it's Animatrix. Not, ring, not ringing any bells. No, no. Uh, he animated Aki, the Asian chick, um, all by hand. Um, Final Fantasy, the villain character is all him. So, like, I was already idolizing this guy. But he, they walk into me and Matt, and they're like, boom, they slap down a script for the for the uh, third act. And they're like, all right, guys, previs, and walked away from us. We're like, what, what the hell are we going to do with the <laughs> script? Storyboard out in 3D, and line by line, and animate it, and 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 all of a sudden there was. We were the DP, the production designer. We were uh, character. We were like everything. It's we one of the, the editor. One of the few departments in the industry as a whole. Big studios or small, were you doing almost every job? Yeah. Like you're tr- truly the generalist in a previous environment. You will get notes. You will get bounce back if somebody doesn't like it. But there's there's and and you don't necessarily get the same kind of credit of seeing your work right on screen. So like that film. I might have prevised out the entire third act, but yet I don't have any actual work up there. I just know when I look at when I watch the movie and I look at the camera angles, I know those are mine. I know where I, I know where I placed them. I know even some of the camera moves that are in there. I know I did. I even know the lens that they used. I'm like, ah, they went with that. And and I look at that and it and it's awesome. And the same thing, I I, I did some previs for some commercials that were the same way. I got to work with directors. Now the bigger studios, when you're on a, a on bigger movies like what we're on now. 
you know, the director makes a call. Oh. You know, I, we're, we're little fish. Hey, Sean can attest, like, on Rise of the Guardians. Oh. I, I, uh, we both came at the director yeah, a couple of I, different directions. You gauge. Now, in an animation studio compared to visual effects studio, you actually get to work with the director quite a bit. Yeah, you never rarity. deal with any of them anytime. In a visual are... effects studio, you will never see the director, probably yes. ever, uh, at the production. You deal with your own VFX soup, and then they deal with the director. They might come in for a screening, but you're not – You, it's like you can't yeah, talk They put to bags over your head and walk you out while they <laughs> come. Yeah, um, very... yeah, you don't do that. Whereas animation studios say like DreamWorks, uh, you're in the same room. They're sitting as close as we are. Um, and especially for your department, you're getting notes. They're turning around thanking you. It's really awesome. So you get this sense of collaboration. But at the end of the day, it's their movie. They're going to do what they want. Um, but for Rise of the Guardians, the director was so cool that you got – and he was very collaborative that it was – you got a sense of he was willing to to take feedback. Like if there was something you thought you could do better in the scene or the scene wasn't working out, he was very open to, hey, throw it out there. And and there, there was a couple times. There was one in particular. We walked out. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie or not. There's, there's a scene where Santa, he throws a snow globe and they come through a portal – and then they come out and they see at a distance all what are called nightmares, these horses. Um, and that, that was my sequence. And, and me and Sean were in there talking to him and they showed it off. And they do a thing called a launch where they show off the sequence to the supervisors. And I was a lead on that. So me and Sean were in there. And then they get ideas like who's doing what. And I'm watching it. And I'm like, this is this is the Millennium Falcon moment, man. They're coming out. Of, they're coming out of hyperspace and they need to hit the asteroids. I'm like. He needs to come through the portal and stuff's got to be there already. This is insane. Why are they shooting it like this? And I kept whispering to Sean. I'm like, I got to tell him. Like it was like – I was getting antsy. Like I was getting – he's like, like – And Sean's like – no, at first Sean's like – Pushing him up. Sean, Sean's, Sean's first like eh, – kind of, I'm like – and I'm like, you know. And so we we actually left the room. Like we finished and I'm like – and it's still eating me. I'm like, I'm going back in. So I walk back in. I started cornering him. I'm like, Peter. My, my take is the worst thing that he could do is say – I'm gonna keep the way it is. Yeah, and I just I, and I felt so strong yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, which I got put in my place, but in a very very nice way, and this was awesome. I because I felt so strong about it. I walked in, I said, "Hey, Peter," and he was there with the, uh, the head of animation on the film. Who this guy gave was awesome. the other person that makes the movie. Yeah, it's really the head of it's animation really those two guys. and the director. And I walked in, I said, "Hey, guys." I mean, it's my shot. I'm gonna be doing it, but I'm like, don't you really think when we come through the portal, like they should just be there? Like this is such a pivotal like. The chaos and we can lead into the next couple shots and this is i mean i i really really think this will look better this way or and i even said to him i go let me do a pass and show you and we can do it and he broke it down and explained his thought process and was like you know here's what i'm kind of thinking this is why i have it back there and everything else and i was like okay i got this. yeah okay. all right now don't get me wrong i watch it i'm like man he still sort of went with my idea <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome and it was a chance that i felt like because there was other spots that sean could attest that he was collaborative he's like hey can we do this and he'd be like rocket do your thing make it look cool i mean that was his big thing a lot yeah. of like make it look cool man sometimes it just depends on the project and the people running it to see how much uh creative input you can produce but i mean you kind of have to take what you can get sometimes and if you are doing this one shot you give your all to that one shot essentially yeah. um but there's certain points where you have to distance yourself a little bit because the version that you love may not be the version that you give no it's heartbreaking you know? and it's heartbreaking it really is the like first few will... times and then you kind of go numb and start <laughs> yeah, pumping out like, for it i mean you think <laughs> a of lot it as to like, aspire to <laughs> totally <laughs> you totally think it's like a you know you, you're an actor you got your doors laughing because she knows you know you got your first big role you're telling your mom that i'm gonna be on this tv show 
They cut my part. That <laughs> son of a bitch. Like, and that, happens. A, that happened to me too. I worked on this one sequence for three months. I was so excited. I did all this animation, all this work. We saw it. They cut like the first six minutes of it and just played the last like two. I'm like, what? Ha- I worked on this thing for so long. Like, I feel like you just wasted your money. And they're just like, no, just <laughs> quicker story. We got to move on. And that was my first like tear. <laughs> it hurts. But yeah, you do get numb. And you get jaded, and then you hate the world, and then you look like Sean. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, if you if you if you want the creative control, be a director. If you want creative control of your games, come up with the game. Like you know, Jay's saying, go home and open up Unity. Make it. our own Sean Kearney's made some stellar games. You want you want to mm-hmm. mention some of those? Hunger Strike. I can't pronounce it. How, what, what's the one title of your game? Uh, Hunger Strike. Hunger Strike. I think you said something really important when you mentioned the uh, Millennium Falcon moment. And I think that happens a lot in a film studio, I would imagine in a, in a game studio as well, where you're referencing these kind of cultural touchstones that we can all awesome. share. So can you talk a little bit about you know the importance of film watching and other artistic influences? Yeah, they. you, you think... It's so funny, you know, and I, I used to think it felt like for people who went to film school, because uh, I had friends and, and before I went to school, I'm like, why are they making you watch this crap over? I'm like, you, you know, you want to do your own thing. Get out there and do your own stuff. But you realize it's been done. It's been done. It's been and, done. And, 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 there's and no, it's, it's been figured out. Yeah. I think that's really that's well, key. really well. And, <laughs> and the movies that are great are the people who can take a step back, who can look at those things that worked really good in those films and then come out and say, you know, it'd be great in the shot if we did this. And the reference, there's not a day we go that goes by that. Even in our films, constantly, that constantly or live action films, you know, uh, we'll pull up, uh, or the reference to some of those films will pull up and be like, we need to do this. But don't do it exactly. Ch- change it just enough to make it yours. Yeah. But then again, you look at it and you're like, man, but that's really good. And I really want it to look like that. And you sort of strive to that. And I think good filmmakers. Same with games. I mean, games, you know, the great games still reference. You know, you look at look at for, from on a game standpoint. I mean, like right now, like I, I played the Titanfall beta. Uh, those were the guys from uh, the Call of Duty series, which I dude, I'm a Call of Duty fanatic. They all hate me because that's what all I want to talk about on the show. So much. There's but, other reasons. <laughs> but Titanfall <laughs> is different, but it still has what works, and it has a little bit of Halo that works. And all of a sudden, you have this combination of something that's just going to sell gangbusters for Microsoft. Um, so I think it kind of works on both things. And I think if, if you sit there and spend the time going, I need to, I need to invent this. I need to make something no one's ever seen before. You're working too hard, man. Exactly. <laughs> you're, when you're, you're, not you're forgetting that the, the language that everybody's speaking is based on all of those previous projects. Absolutely. You need to respond to that. So you can, and you can take it farther. What's really interesting is, um, some projects will look at reference for what they don't want. In a movie, which is re- is equally important yes. as something that you do want in a film, you just say, "Hey, we're making this type of movie. It's a sci-fi movie, but I don't want it to look like all the other sci-fi movies. Here's the spread of sci-fi movies. We're gonna make this sci-fi movie, but it's not gonna look like." Sci-fi. So we put Shark Attack <laughs> three, and we go, "Okay." <laughs> and Sharknado. If anybody does and... anything like this, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Right. And then we go back. But but yeah, it works. It works both ways, actually. Yeah, I, I think in in games like we are all at least most of the people at our studio are like we love video games we grew up playing video games and so when you look at a company like nintendo you know that they they make great video games and they do it really well and there's so much you can learn from just playing one of their games sort of somewhat analytically like how did like how does the camera move how do they how do they present you the ui and and stuff like that and just like 
Like that is learning your craft and taking stuff that you know that people do really well and applying it to the stuff you're working on. Yeah, I think even more than just like looking at it and going like, oh, they did that. So we should do that on a, on a very like, uh, you know, top down look is like really diving into just the little things. I think something that we both have been working on is taking a game and reconstructing a very specific part of it in Unity. So um, that way you can look at like the little tiny things of like, for example, you take a look at a game like Mario and it's really easy to go like, oh, you move left to right and you jump on platforms. But it's a lot harder to go like, well, why does that game feel good? But when that game came out, there was 20, 30, 40 other games in that generation that did that poorly. And start to look at, well, how are the controls um, filtered? Like, how is the movement filtered? How is How does the camera work? How do all those things work? And if you can dive in for those specific things, you can really find that the heart of the game is probably 50% high concept, if, if not less, and then at least 50% implementation. And there's a whole host of implementation that I think there are things that you almost take for granted, like game feel type stuff that you take for granted unless you play a bazillion games and then also play them, start to play games again and again and really pay attention to like, wow, you know what? Like this isn't as simple as like press A to jump. You know, in a game like Mario, there's, if I hold down the jump, I go, I can jump longer. And if I let go really soon and there's this kind of analog to the jump and all these things that on a first pass, you think like, oh, well, that's super simple that when you really dive in, it's, maybe it was happenstance, but more than likely it was something that they spent maybe, you know, six months, a year kind of arguing over and playing with. Um, there's a really interesting article in, I don't know if you guys read Edge magazine, for those of you that are into games. If you're not, it's probably useless. But <laughs> um, they have a, a, a website, Edge Online, and they wrote a, a pretty interesting article where they just described a guy, they're like, you're, you're playing this war game, let's say, and you walk over some ammo, right? Somebody's died that drops some ammo. And you're a player character, and it's a first-person shooter. You walk over that ammo. You have a gun, and you have 16 bullets. Your gun can hold 30. The ammo that's been dropped has 19 bullets in it. What happens? And then they go through, and they list all these options, right? So one of the options is, well, you just pick up the bullets, and now you have a... Uh, 35 bullets and then it's like and you only have it for that round and now all you know then you have one where you pick it up and you have 30 bullets which is the max of what you can hold but now there's still the guns on the ground and it has three bullets left in it or five bullets left in it and then or now it's turned into an ammo and it's like they they go through all these things and it's like a page of just all these different things that could happen scenarios scenarios and they go that's what the heart of game design becomes at a certain point is figuring out well what happens there and not just looking at another game and going well, we'll do what they're doing, but looking at it and go, why do they do it that way? And is that the best way to do it? And there's so much of that. Um, that there, you there you go. Really you get into game design, you spend a damn year on the ammo box. No, <laughs> and it's true. And you do spend a time. And, and that comes to a lot of the creative <clears throat> control. You'll realize is even if a director or someone's coming up with the high, high level concept stuff, the the real heart of what Mar make Mar makes Mario great isn't in the fact that he's a plumber or that you're moving from left to right. I love or that, that he's a plumber. Yeah, I mean, that is, really is the heart of the charm. That's super charming. But the heart of that game is in these very specific things that not just game designers, but programmers and artists and musicians um, have all put into that game. And there's a, a ton of that that you kind of have to pay attention to. And the way you get better at that is from doing a lot, but also from playing a lot or watching a lot or listening to a lot. 
And, and if you're in the, the state, right, when I was in college, like I barely played video games or I didn't play them as much as I wanted to because I, I felt like I was always busy doing projects and doing homework and, and all that stuff. Uh, and then <laughs> even more so in, in grad school. Um, and then like for probably the last four years, like I found a lot more time to play games and I'm sure that'll end when I have a kid at some point or whatever. Yes. Oh, no. You put, you play more, you find time to play. <laughs> but, uh, but like you'll, the, the, like when, when the, the opportunity presents itself, when you have the time to play them, like find your either games that you think will have the craft, like new, new Nintendo games or games that are your favorite and you, Go back and play those games and, and figure out why they were your favorite. Maybe it's just nostalgia. Maybe they are crappy games. Or maybe they're just something really fun, something great about the core mechanic of it that you can learn from. Yeah. Another question. Um, so I run a small studio. We're doing we're all on the real-time side stuff, so big games and whatnot. Um, and what we're, we're seeing there, that like uh, a lot of stuff we're working on is like sort of drifting towards like more and more high fidelity sort of cinematic style so visuals, and they're, we're seeing sort of a, a drift in that direction at, at certain parts of the industry. And you talked about pre-visualization, like that, you know, and it comes from lots of people within the cinema industry, but that's like, you can see some predecessors in like game prototyping, like they're using a lot of the same, you know, a lot of the same tech. Um, it seems to me that on some levels, at least, we're getting some some technological convergence. I'm thinking of like, there's the anima- uh, Transformers, TV show that like to use a real time engine for the for the animation stuff there too. Do you see more of that? Is that like a, is that a, a quick convergence? Is that like a well it's spread out but it, it might not like well as like game engines stuff like that advance and evolve. You look at even the cinematics for tons of just AAA like high end titles. They're not pre rendered stuff. They're I mean they are in a way but they're rendered with the game engine. And so that stuff just becomes more enriched, more enriched, you know, and it just depends on what platform you're building it for. I mean, obviously, I don't know about the limitations of mobile games because you have only so much processing and somewhat like that. But I mean, my my, like, I I don't know, again, uh, much about the film side of things, but I feel like they're like you can get the results that you can get in a, in a 3d film because you can render offline and you don't have to, to have things running in real time. Uh, I don't see why once the, the computing power and the algorithm stuff catch up to that, uh, you wouldn't be able to use it because you probably have a little more. Yeah. I, I, I was going to touch on this. So there's, there, there's two things I saw when I was at a digital domain, uh, working on t- the movie 2012, we, uh, we ran into some limitations. The effects artists did on, the destruction for you guys have seen that we uh, the sequences we had were the uh, the LA destruction scenes. Um, the Sims to get back some of the destruction they did on those buildings were taking days. So you got to imagine if you do one sim, you wait days just to get notes on a couple pieces that aren't doing the right thing. You, you want to shoot yourself in the head. Um, so one of the things we did is they looked sort of outside the box, and we actually brought in the Havoc engine, which is a game physics engine. Um, that sped up time exponentially. They could get turned around in, in one day. And I was kind of like, oh, this is awesome. This is a nice kind of like hybrid of them starting to bleed over. And these were Houdini, like some of the top Houdini artists in the industry who were like praising Allah. They're like, oh my gosh, I can get this building to blow up in a day instead of like, you know, all day. And I mean, these were basically all the buildings in downtown we destroyed. Just you realize you just said praise Allah and then yeah. blowing up buildings? I wasn't going to. Actually, actually you can quote me on that because that's awesome <laughs> that I managed to do that without knowing I did that. An- another package is the Valve Source Filmmaker. 
which is uh, they're kind of promoting as a pre-visualization mm-hmm. tool uh, that mm-hmm. you know you can use. Damn, <laughs> damn tough to get out. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that you can use, uh, you know, for um, you know planning your films, and you can load assets in there and textures and everything, get some really impressive results. And it actually, then, has some pretty sweet animation tools in it, also. Yeah, you can do. There's some great uh, Team Fortress Two stuff people have done with that. Uh, um, one one other thing I was going to mention. We actually uh, talked about this about two episodes back. Did we? You and I were talking about how the video, like some of the technology oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the video games, went beyond what film was doing for a little while because they had all these restrictions and needed to be real time. So they started finding ways to cut corners, and that's where you got your vector displacement maps and your on the card oh, subdivision about, yeah. and stuff like that. That stuff started bleeding into the film industry because people at ILM and Sony were looking at this stuff and going, "These guys are pumping like 14 million polygons through a real time <laughs> engine, and we can barely get it in a day in a render. What are we doing wrong?" And they started investigating that t- technology. We um, I, and this is kind of this, this, this is cool for a school crowd here because throw the NDA out the window a bit since it, it, it got it got axed. I was on a project for a short time where uh, Warner's potentially was going to do a, a Thundercats movie, and uh, it sort of got axed. But the, the the idea behind what was cool and why there was sort of a hybrid was is that it was going to be a joint venture between doing a game and a film at the same time, using all the exact assets, same assets. Um, and everything the it was really cool is that we could animate and then actually see through the engine the real-time render and lighting as it went. Now, in theory, it sounds amazing. In practice, the machines aren't right there because it's sort of what Jay's touching on is I think the only limitation we're at right now are what the machines are capable of doing. It sounds easy to say, like, we have these insane machines where we work. I'm sure you guys do, too, to some they're extent. They're just barely keeping up. But we're, ju- we're still not at that point, though, that we could, uh, we could get it to do it. So, like, in concept, it still seems awesome. And I, and I actually was stoked on the idea that this could actually happen um, past the facts of it's a Thundercats movie. Come on. Yeah. Um, but and I, and I think we're going to get there. And I think some of the studios that are pushing, I think Blizzard is working on trying to get there so they can do that. Um, like Josh said, that that Evolve game, I mean, gosh, I mean, it looks insane. I mean, stuff even the Unreal Engine can do. Um, we actually, all the previs we did for that movie, we did in the Unreal Engine. Uh, all the setups were set, and like that was the first time I had done that. And we're at a we're at Digital Domain. We're at a huge visual effects studio, but yet we're in the Unreal Engine. Unreal's free, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a time when it wasn't. Yes, yeah, to be ridiculously expensive. I remember well, if you it, win it, contests. You have, to pay, you, know. you have to pay for it after you make a certain amount of money. I mean, one of the things that that kind of brings up when you're talking <laughs> about tech and stuff like that is, especially for what we do, like everything we're using right now is off the shelf, right? Like, so we're except, using, yeah. well, except what? Well, where's my water? Was well, yeah. Custom stuff, so some of our legacy games use a, a custom engine, <laughs> but right now, you know, the last game we did was in Unity. We all worked on MacBook Pros that were off the shelf, like, you know, they're nice ones, but you can go and buy them. Um, some of the plugins that we used for UI and stuff like that, you can download for a hundred bucks or something. Like the the it's not as limiting as it was when I was in um working on console stuff. Like you need a dev kit and you need a this and that. And really quickly it becomes there's definitely a barrier to get your vision out. Whereas now, like to be honest, you could make some cool games that are fun little prototypes you can use on an interview that also give you skills in the exact piece of software on the exact computer, on the exact thing that we're using. And it isn't this thing of like, suddenly you're not trained in what we do. I mean, for like 
literally zero dollars, you can download Unity right now and start to learn how to use the very thing we're using to make games in, and also the very thing that almost any mobile studio and a handful of uh, um, console studios are using. And even like uh, the, if you're a PC gamer, I know a lot of the PC versions of games come with the dev tools to be able to do mods and stuff. Like if you want to work on Call of Duty, like go get a Call of Duty PC game and, and build a mod. And that is the best thing you can do if you want to work on that game because they'll, they, companies now, especially in, in AAA, I think, have so many people who want to work for them they're probably more apt to hire somebody, two people who have the same skill set. One person like lives and breathes Call of Duty and the other person doesn't. They're going to hire the, the person who, who loves the game. And so building building the game in the tools that they that they build the game in is absolutely the, the, the right thing to Unless do. Unless you're Valve, and then it's just crazy time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Valve's your own way. Valve, Valve. Valve is, uh, Valve, we just, I recently just heard, we just heard some stories about Valve and their hiring process. And that's just, it, it, I, and I know, I know, I know some people up there, but I've never talked to them about getting jobs, but it's just kind of this weird organic kind of, uh, our friend interviewed without even knowing he was interviewing with them. Um, and they have, yeah, he was talking, he goes like, what about an interview? And he goes like, no, this is the interview. Just he like, just what? called his buddy to say, how you doing? What's going on? He's like, no, no, you're interviewing, dude. Go ahead. Yeah. He's like, what are, you, what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? He's like, well, it's just kind of this thing where we all just kind of agree that we like you or not. And if you have a skill set that fits us, we just, I don't know, get a job. <laughs> very, the, very, very, very odd. Just know. to throw that out there. To the earlier point, I think we all have the video game industry, particularly the PC gaming industry, to thank for the increase in the hardware uh, because those cards can do so much. And I think the film industry has been slowly kind of figuring out, oh, hey, we can kind of harness that. I know at Disney we've built tools where the artists can very quickly in real time kind of see a lot more than they ever would have before. They would have had to submit oh, yeah. a render and wait. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, instead of making the films then easier to render, they just keep making the more complex films. Yeah, the bar goes higher. Yeah. You yeah. always fill up the bucket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's this e this even amount of work and, and nail biting that there has to be for every project. So they just say, well, let's add more and let's do you know now we ray can do tracing this. and exactly. yes. we have computers that are the computers that animation department and some of them must in they're mine literally supercomputers there's there's sixty thousand dollars each like if you can price out a computer for sixty thousand dollars good luck you can do it on hp you can't get the parts that <laughs> i mean no you're right i'm sure you can go to alienware nowadays and piece together yeah, or you go to alien i take that back you can go to apple i think and build a two hundred thousand dollar computer don't do exactly. that That's don't do that like it won't make anything work yeah. better <laughs> and then you'll own an apple but it'll look really nice it'll, yeah. it'll look shiny it's got retina display yeah. the, the growth yeah. has been exponential in the rendering resources necessary like i know that frozen took double the rendering resources of Wreck-It Ralph, which took double the rendering resources of Tangled. And I can tell you the Big Hero 6, it's not going down. I'll, I'll just say yeah. that. Yeah. You've given away too much. I've said, I've said too much. <laughs> you said too much. They're coming out. The Disney me. police are going to come in and get you. <laughs> Another question? Actually, going along with that, like how you guys were talking about like the mods and such to get into the industry and how Steam has a crap ton of mods. Um, do you, as working in the industry, do you take what those people, or not take what those, but do you look at what those people make and sort of have it influence you, or do you try and like stay away from what like someone would make in a TF2 mod to inspire you? I mean, I look, we look at it. I think it's tougher because we work, um, we work in casual games, so it's not as easily applicable. But uh, I think definitely, like we, uh, I've been on kind of a steam kick lately. I've been. 
I've been on the worst kind of Steam kick where I just buy a lot he of He literally buys everything. He's saying he's he's calling yeah. it a Steam kick. That's yeah. also Microsoft Live PlayStation. Yeah. He, he buys consoles just to buy them. <laughs> how's, how's that weird? How's that, how's that, that weird working out? Yeah, that's that's why I need to find that industry. <laughs> and but, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something that um, we pay attention to. I think we're pretty savvy, even though, you know, the stuff we do is, is more for kids and family and it's um, on phones and tablets and things like that. Like we, we play hardcore games. We play um, <clears throat> a ton of guys play MMOs, a ton of guys play. Um, I'm saying that cause I don't, um, but we play a little bit of everything and it definitely influences. I think the biggest thing that we can do a lot of times is look at something, for example, like a TF2 type game and go, all right, well, what like what about that is really interesting at its core that isn't related to it being a shooter or to it being first person? And then could we recreate that on an iPad without um, you know losing what the charm of it is? Uh, or even like one a good example of that is one of the levels in, in Where's My Water. Uh, one of our programmers, designers, Chad created. He loves Zelda, and he like basically took a Zelda type puzzle and recreated it in our game. And so it was like, kind of like using those, like our favorite games as influence for, even if it's just a puzzle in a game, as opposed to the entire game, you can really kind of feel that in there. Yeah. Most of those mods are like, they're extreme. They're for fun. I mean, there's something as, as cool as they are. <coughs> and as much as like, you'd be like, yeah, I wish they made things like that. It's never actually going to probably happen. Cause I mean, they're for you to personalize it and to kind of make it your own. Like if you looked at the, um, NBA 2K4 mod that they did on the PC where one guy put all of the... Um, Space Jam. No, it wasn't Space Jam. It was uh, all the Avengers. So like the Hulk oh, and yeah. like Captain America. They just and, did and, Space Jam like last did week. That, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's stuff. It's awesome. You're just Friendly. like, it's so cool. Like, <laughs> Working hard out there. That. But <laughs> that being said, like obviously there's a precedent, a precedent well, now that you can make mods and make a ton of money off them. Like Gary's mods made a ton of money. DayZ is turning... Like they basically created that game. And I mean, I, I mean that Counter-Strike is probably the biggest example of something yeah. that's been turned into something else. Uh, I, I think... The thing is, if there's a player base, I can imagine those studios look at it. I would imagine, like, you know, if you were working on TF2 and you did a crazy mod, Valve's like Big Brother, man. They're on Steam. You have a player base, they're going to see it, and they're going to be curious, and they're going to call and say, hey, man, can you come do that here? You know, it's that that's sort of the gist I've got from them, and I'm sure it'd be no different on... A Unity front. You don't think these guys want the uh, the Flappy Bird guy to come in and uh, and help them make some stuff over at Disney? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I and I and I think it's even on their end. It's even like because of the cost to break in to just get Unity and start creating something is insane. Like any you know anybody who has a creative eye for that and and can do that stuff has potential to get in there and catch somebody's eye to be like, hey, maybe we should talk to this guy. We I mean even on software development. There's software that uh, Sean found that was awesome for stuff that we do that we we joked at first, but it's it was kind of like, we really need to hire this guy, like badly. Can we see if we can get him in and like maybe just we'll take his software and he'll come work with us? Yeah. Question. Probably have time for just a couple more. Probably, yeah, one or two more. Yes. Um, so I know like in the entertainment industry, like no matter what you do, it's like takes up a lot of your life pretty much. Do you like... I know if you love what you do, then it's great. But like, do you feel like you guys still have lives? I mean, you've had time for this. So. <laughs> <laughs> this, actually, is this, is the, this is this is the break. Actually, this is uh, this was the kind of thing of like, well, I, I mean, I could 
I'm a bad example now that I have an ex-wife. I was going to say before, is, how much do you want to get away from your life? Yeah, it turns that into that. Yeah. I, th- I think when you first start out, it, I, th- I think your career sort of evolves as, as an artist or a filmmaker or a game designer. I think it kind of evolves into you find your niche and you sort of carve out the rest. Matter of fact, you tend to find, I think all of us do, you tend to find your own creative outlets outside of that because what you're doing at work isn't enough or it's somebody else's dream or it's somebody else's creative idea that you, the second you get done, like coming up with this podcast was just, I started doing some YouTube stuff and I was like, man, this is, that's my creative outlet. I was doing call of duty commentaries because I was just bored at night. My buddy's like, man, we should really talk about this. I'm like, cool. And this has sort of become my creative outlet. But then again, I have three kids, you know, and I, and I try to manage that too. And, and you find it. You build it. And then, but when you come to work, that's sort of where I lock it down. I'm like, I'm here. This is, you know, this is what I'm into. This is what I'm all about. And this is what I'm going to focus. But don't get me wrong, man. The second seven, six, or even if I stay till 10, it's time to go. I'm out. Yeah. I don't think yeah. about it. I literally cut my brain off. You leave I'm, all the love at the door. I leave it. And yeah. yeah. You walk away it. from it. And it, that's, you kind of have to do that because it keeps you fresh and it keeps you wanting to keep going back to the studio. The moment that you realize I, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore is the moment where you've done it so much that you have no way of escaping it anymore. And me, I, I've been working at DreamWorks for 10 years. Um, I thought I would work at DreamWorks for three years, go to another studio and then just kind of hop around, but it didn't end up happening that way. Um, for the first five years, I would come home for my nine hour day at work and I would be on the computer for another four or five hours. I just did it. I lived, breathed it. I loved it. Now I come home and I get my food and I sit down on the couch and I don't do shit <laughs> all night long. Um, and then I go to sleep at 1030. So it really kind of depends on like, where do you want to be? You're and a terrible father. Stretch it out. <laughs> well, my kids are His in bed kids at night. see him at all. <laughs> I come home done. and my kids are like, let's go out and play. And I'm like, oh, daddy's doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need me. <laughs> I do animation. That wow. means you get nothing. But uh, yeah, I, I would just say, <laughs> I'd say, you know, love it, but but stretch it out. Give yourself a little yeah. bit of time. I think to, you to need to that. I think be, everybody in this yeah. room, and you, you need to find that. I think even now as students, I think you need to find time to still do some creative side stuff on your own and keep that sort of going because, yeah, it, it is, yeah. believe it or not. I mean, and I'm going to tell you, you, you will, regardless of me saying this not to, you, as soon as you get that first job, you are going to go sungo, so gung-ho, you're going to make everybody who's already working there like, I hate you. <laughs> try hard, huh? Yeah, because you're instantly a try hard. And, and you're ruining my I, job. I come in and coast, and you're here to play ball. <laughs> that really also jacks up, like, not just, you know, making you look like that guy, but it also, like, <laughs> screws up your movie because we would have, like, people working, and they were like, I don't think I'm doing it very well. And he would stay till, like, 10 o'clock. Not get paid because he wanted to make sure that it was done. But he also just made a shot that would probably take about two and a half days. He did it in one because he was nervous he wasn't getting it done. So all of a sudden, guess what? The people that write the paychecks and stuff like that go, oh, he was able to do it in one day. Why can't you get it done in the next day? And it's just like, dude, you're ruining it for everyone. Like, shut up. Well, it also messes up the bids. I'm being being ahead of a department. Like, I have to know how much my – you know, the people that are working with me can do so I can tell my producer, this is how much it's going to cost to do this work. If you're working twice as long as another person right we next had this you, happen. We, we don't know how much you can actually produce. So he when you do start, yeah, when you do start trying hard, you kind of throw off the bell curve. Um, but the thing that I'll, I'll say about like burning out and all that stuff is um, 
Someone else will notice it before you do, most likely. I remember um, very vividly one of my students, um, you know, I was teaching him for two years, and uh, all of a sudden he just kind of, and I, you know, came up to him and I said, what's going on, man? You're not you. You don't act like this. You produce and, and you do it. And he was just like, man, I'm burnt out. I'm like, well, good. I'm glad you found out what that feels like now, because 10 years from now, you may not notice and you'll just be angry and you'll be upset. And you won't have a choice. So, so don't do that. You used to have long, Once again. flowing hair. Yeah. And long, beautiful literally, locks. Literally, it was locks when I met him five years ago. I made jokes and stuff. It was crazy. Exactly. But yeah, so. Yeah, and, and, and on the game side of things, um, it, it's kind of like there's it, – it's a weird thing right now in the industry. Like there's definitely studios crunch. We've crunched. Um, I know that's another uh, thing. You need the energy for when that happens because you will work. Ultimate. You really will. Th- there's going to be times. And the, the thing I would say is like, don't like early in your career, you, you'll do it. Don't take <laughs> it as canon that you have to crunch. Like, I think there is a future in games that there's less crunch. Um, but it's just uh, it's about figuring out the right process for a studio and a, a, the right process for a team. I think there's this like weird badge of honor that people take from crunching of like, oh man, like I remember this one time I was crunching for six months and it's like that's terrible. It's like, <laughs> why are you bragging about planning? Why are you, bad? Bad? Like, why are right you proud that your exactly. project was so mismanaged? Like, <laughs> How's your ulcer and your <laughs> hair looking out? And I think that I think it also does come from the fact that right now, at least, um, or at least in the past, less less so now, games has been uh, an industry dominated by young men who are single, who don't have families, who don't... And, like, what's happening now is the industry's growing up and the people who work in the industry are growing up and they're having kids and there's there's more to come home to where it was an industry that was by people who were like, whatever, we're just going to hang out anyways, like, let's keep working or we're just going to go home and play a game together. The, the thing is, is now there's people going, oh, I, I want to go home. Like, I have kids to raise, and I have, like, stuff Man, to do. They don't need you. Yeah, <laughs> apparently not. Fennel's the exception of that. But no, I think that it, it is something that, that has to go away before this industry truly grows into, like, a mature sort of adult industry. That sounded wrong. But um, <laughs> not in that way. I hope, we, or maybe, I hope or we never become adults in our industry. Yeah. No, but I do think that it's something that the the thing that you realize when you do crunch forever is that you don't get a lot done. Like if we're pulling, you know, we pulled a couple like 18 hour days or things like that. And you know what? The last nine of an 18 hour day, useless. Like it's just dumb because you're, you can't think anymore. You get kind of loopy. You spend a lot of time not working because you're justifying, well, I'm going to be here forever. So let's take a long break. And it's like, well, that was stupid. Like I'd rather be at home. So then you make big mistakes you know. that affect the rest of the nine hours yeah. that you're going to be there anyway. So I don't think like if you're getting into this industry, into games or into film or into to anything creative, you're not going to work banker's hours. You're not going to be able to just clock out at five every day. But I I feel like less and less, unless, unless you like, are yeah, useless to your company. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, unless you're like somebody they're looking to fire anyways. I mean, anybody yeah. out there looking to do some camera work at DreamWorks? Yeah. I got you. He doesn't know. Don't tell him. <laughs> My bad. But yeah, I think like um, it, you're mainly going, you're going to work a little bit later, but it's you know, it. I feel like it's getting better, at least on our end. Like the, you know, the the game we worked on two games ago, we pulled a like, you know, a good month or two, which is a big chunk of our game, considering that our games only take like about nine, ten months to make. Um, in crunch, and then our last game, we didn't, we weren't too bad actually, uh, crunching. So it's definitely something that people are becoming 
more and more aware of, but it's uh, sometimes I think it's time management. I think yeah. it's time management. I think it's and that's something actually right now while you guys are in school can can to, can completely start to do now. You know, you're given a task in four hours or let's say nine hour workday, bang it out, bang out what you need to do in nine hours. If you can do it in less, do it in less. Stay your nine hours, go home. There's no reason to necessarily just write it out, procrastinate, whatever right. you're going to do, just bang it out in your time. Then, then instead of that, you're not ruining anybody. And they come to you like, you need to work overtime. I'm like, no, I get to go home and go play games. I can right. go home and see my girlfriend or my boyfriend or whatever you're going to do. And the first, you actually have that time. The first version doesn't have to be the best version. It won't be the best version. So don't spend a ton of time on the first version. Spend enough to get your idea across so you can get feedback. That's really important. And that's what we do in the industry. We may put crap up on screen that will never get in the film, but it's a good sounding board for the people who are the creative supervisors to say, hey, I like this direction. Let's keep going that way and then do all of this stuff along with it. So Because it's not our show. It's not ours. It's not ours. And we know that. And when you come to terms with that, it's there's something to be said with my first pass is just this idea. I'm doing a swipe of what you said. Mm-hmm. Maybe they take it, maybe they don't. But like you know, Sean's getting at is that it's just you're getting it out the door. And I didn't spend... 12, 13 hours there finessing this thing because nothing will upset you more. And this I'm sure is the same in games is I have spent all this time making it amazing. This is back to iterations of things. And then I get in front and they're like, I can't wait for him to see it. Can't wait for him to see it. And be like, and all you know what, lose him. him. Oh, yeah. change the camera. All they're this, looking this for is, is what gonna... doesn't work the yeah. first time through. And right? and everybody's a director. Everybody <laughs> has an idea. Everybody has an idea. You know, you should have done that. Well, you can eat a bag. of. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden you're, you're the worst for me is always producers. I don't get me wrong. I know why we need producers. I know why they need to be there. They're good at their job. But if they went to when school they're doing or they went job. to business school or whatever, you're a producer. Now you handle the money. I'm the art guy. You're the money. But it's sure as hell enough. You get in that room, boy, and they got all sorts of art needs. I would say. Jack, you should do that. Who, why are you talking? I just want to hear the director. And you are influencing him. And it goes back and forth. And it's this big game, like Josh said. Of Then the animation supervisor is like, oh, I kind of agree. You know what? But we, if we went this way, you could. Now, your dream shot you have spent all night. You didn't clock down in your sheet because you're the overachiever. I'm there till 12. I got nobody to go home to. You did all night and you get in front. Let me tell you, it'll only take a few of those times for you to be like, I ain't doing shit. And I'm just going to do this. And then all of a sudden you went the other way. And that and it's noticeable, like Sean said. You will notice all of a sudden when somebody's attitude changes. Um, we, I, we see it all the time. I've, I've gone through it. Sean's gone through it. Jo- I'm sure everybody in this group has gone through certain points where they were like, screw this crap. And you're just all of a sudden there. And you don't ever really want to, even if you don't like the project, you still find those moments to like work through it and do the best work you can do through that. Or you turn to drugs like Jay. <laughs> <laughs> you end up with a bunch of tattoos one morning. And there you go. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> I got a beard and tattoos. I've been asleep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Sure. One last question. One more. I think, one I think last we have one done. over here. Oh, All right. yay. This is a spin from what you were talking about and changes as you're moving from job to job and your references to kids recently. As you're moving from job to job, getting older, changing the kind of games that you're, uh, you're creating, does the fact that you're married and have kids affect the kind of game that you're interested in creating? As in, for instance, you go home and your kid says, what are you working on, Dad? And you are working on a game which maybe is not particularly suitable for that kind of game. So with regards to that, as these 
youngsters move on to. That actually, yeah. There was a guy that I worked with. He was up for an animation job and got offered to it um, to work on a game, um, uh, Splatterhouse. <laughs> and sounds or, family yeah, friendly. Yeah, so he, had, he had no idea what what Splatterhouse was about and stuff. And what if remake it's <laughs> Who knew? Making sandwiches. And he turned it down because it was something that he was just like, I don't want to go work on that and have my kids play. And he really did turn down the job because he didn't want to do that. Me personally, a, I don't have kids, so it's a tough question for me to answer. Right, so I think so. The two, so, the yeah. two of us have childrens. Uh, children. <laughs> we have the children. We have the children. Yeah, oh, I. Children. I don't. You know, we talk about this all the time again because his are slightly older than mine. I I have a three year old going to turn four, and then I have uh, one who's one and one who's slightly uh, young, all the way younger than that, and. Uh, I, I play the shooter games, and I think back to the first game, I both games I worked on when I started. Or the three I worked on total have been Fight Club. No, I'm not letting my daughters play that. Uh, 50 Cent Bulletproof, really not letting them play that. And the third one was Raw vs. SmackDown, a wrestling game. Maybe? <laughs> uh, but that's I, – I found more dilemma with dealing with potentially your spouse or your partner in this scenario. For me, my partner being a uh, – a lawyer and not liking anything about video games. Just recently, I thought it would be a great idea to bring over uh, Disney infinity that I had bought when it came out, which is a Disney game where you just run around. And I thought for my, my three-year-old, I was like, well, this might be fun for to sit in my lap and run around with uh, a Disney character. She knows all the Disney movies. She sings the songs. I'm like the dad and me who loves video games and this kind of stuff thought it might be great to sit her in my lap and, and let her play a little bit. My uh, my ex-wife didn't think that was the best idea, and there was a lot of back and forth, and that was kind of a reality check for me of, like, where where's that line? Um, I think I would gauge it a bit. I think I would gauge what I'm working on, but then again, I, you know, the way the industry works is if I got laid off tomorrow, if it was not have a job, yeah, not have a job uh, because I don't want to work on Call of Duty because my daughter doesn't like it or or I can't see that kind of work or go work on Call of Duty. Daddy's probably going to work on Call of Duty, just not let her. The unfortunate side effect is she just wouldn't see it. Um, and, and, and you? I think it's about the same. Um, when I when I was growing up and in college, I was a gore meister. I loved gore. I loved horror movies. I loved all that stuff. Now that I have kids and a family and stuff like that, it doesn't appeal to me as much anymore. That's something I never expected to happen. It just kind of happened naturally. Um but, uh, you know, I play video games at home with the kids and, uh, you know, we, we pick our, we pick the games that we want to play. We'll play Marvel Legos and we'll play um, Minecraft and stuff together. But they're not playing Grand Theft Auto. They're not playing, you know, the, the you know, the, the seriously violent games or the seriously um, <clears throat> grotesque games. We're not really playing them. And I actually like I kind of want to like put, shove them off or wait until they go to bed if I'm going to play a game that's gory, like a zombie game or something. My kids are. They're enamored with Plants vs. Zombies. They love it. They, they play it themselves without the video game. They're out there playing it. Um, but I wouldn't put like a zombie game on for them, even though they're... Would it deter you from working on it, it though? Yeah. Like, I don't think it would game? deter me from working on it. They just wouldn't see that part of the yeah, job, I don't think. Yeah, probably not. And I typically don't talk about the project itself. I just talk about what's going on at work, usually. So 
Um, but I will bring home like, hey, daddy worked on this today. Da, 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 and they're all like, yeah, whatever. Because I'm, you know, I'm apparently I'm a horrible father. My kids don't <laughs> care about my project. I wish one of our other co-hosts, uh, Liz Heron, was here. We we always tease. She she has a son who's, how old's Ben? Ben's 10? Six. 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 Way off. I eight. don't even know. Eight. Eight. She has a boy, right? No. Um, but we always talk because... It, I think there's something changing in society and, and, and we're, we're the early Nintendo generation who are growing up now. And, and, but now kids have all these crazy games, like right off the bat that, that the Nintendo generation now who can go out in their thirties and buy the Xbox as soon as it comes out on the PS4 and we want high graphics, everything else are playing in our living rooms that he goes to school and all his friends who have dads who maybe don't care as much are in the living room. They're playing Grand Theft Auto. They're playing all these games that she won't let him play. But yet he comes home and I think he told her, he's like, that is the best thing in my life if yeah. I would have that game. And she's like, what? I, was, I, was, I, was, I wanted to play Grand Theft Auto 5 since, <laughs> I, was, sorry, since I, I was bored. I GTA pretty much as long as I've, I've been alive. Yeah, so and, he's six. and we did and we did the math and like it has been around for that long. So, yeah. so. <laughs> kind of a factual statement. I've been about my kids have played games since they were eighteen months old. Um, uh, but the, my question wasn't so much from a parental or a uh, perspective, but from a game developer perspective. Oh, like working, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd say even You're now. Working on a game and you change because when we grow older, and so does the culture around you, does the culture of the society and the fact that you're in a family. Does that change the kind of game that you want to create? You know, you say you get you get passionate about the games that you want. So do you get passionate about the same game that you did when you were 18? Do you get passionate about the same game that you you liked when you were single? Do you, are you passionate about the same game when you have kids? You know, so as a game yeah. developer and as your passions change, what is it that changes your passions? I mean, I think the thing with me is like I I wouldn't say my the games that I play have changed that much. Like I still like, I still love playing first-person shooters. I love stealth games. I love those things. I think that, by and large, it's come down to um, what I want. When it comes to what I want to make, I actually do really like making casual games, and I like making family-friendly games. Um, I don't know too much else, but I've always enjoyed doing that. I'm a little bit hesitant, as much as I enjoy playing Call of Duty, to go work at um, Infinity Ward or one of those places where I would be... You know, oh, what did you do today? Oh, I, I tried to, like, nail the feel of some rifle. Like, and I spent three weeks on that. Like, I feel a little bit, um, not, and again, not that I find a problem with that. In fact, I really appreciate people who do that because I enjoy playing those games. But I do, there is something that I like about the fact that working on games that kids can play and working on the types of games that, to be honest, a lot of the people around me play who are not gamers. Um... But as far as, like, specifically with kids, I can only speak to my wife. She really doesn't play the games that I work on. And she actually plays games in the, sim the same genre. Like, she loves playing games on her iPad. But she does not really like Where's My Water that much. And it really affects me far less than I thought it would have. Like, wow, she's never playing it. Because it's kind of like, at that point, like, she is nice and appreciates that it came out and that I worked on it and is proud of me. But she doesn't... Even now doing these kind of casual games, my parents, my, like, there's, every once in a while I'll meet someone who's played one of the games, like, in my family, but by and large, it's not so much that I think it's changed, that, that, uh, th that, that I've changed as I've gotten older with what I play, so much as just 
when I think about what I want to spend that much time on um, working on, a lot of times I'm like, oh, I kind of like one, I like being a generalist and being able to work on a variety of different parts of a project. And then two, like I kind of like the idea that I'm working on something that in some stretch of the imagination is a little bit more um, accessible and a little bit more family friendly in that respect. Well, I mean, and, and, and kind of to your question, a little bit of games that are pretty, I mean, games that are big and made unless they're like little tiny indie ones and stuff like that, or you know, your own side project, they're really not necessarily that like immoral of games. You know, it's not a game about raping babies or anything like that, where you're going to, you know, that's something where you're kind of like, I don't think anybody should be making that. I don't want to work I on that. I thought you were NDA'd about the project Jay and I were working on, <laughs> on our own. That's what it was. <laughs> I'm sorry. Gonna but I mean, that out. Yeah. and a lot of times, and I kind of go back to one of the questions of, you know, going back and forth between games and, and movies is, you know, sometimes it's like I said, it's just a job. It's just a project. And it's about the people you work with. And if you're enjoying like what you're doing with the people, you know, the content really is somewhat of a, uh, you know, backstory or, I mean, you know, it's put on the um, back burner. There you go. And uh, <laughs> so with those, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things. And, and like, we, we work on shitty movies. I yeah. mean, DreamWorks does not make sometimes the most stellar movies. If you, you know, I'm sure can attest to. B movie, Madagascar, any of them. <laughs> uh, uh, mine are amazing. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. He said it. I was on none of those. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you go through it. You're just kind of like, hey, what movie are you working on? Working on Home. How is it? It's all right. <laughs> making the same games you're playing now? Are you making that? I think I will probably be hopefully making better ones like hopefully getting better at our craft and getting better at what we do but so it wouldn't be making the same exact games but it wouldn't be i don't know if it would be shying away from a specific genre as much as it would be just evolving as we are yeah because it could do. be completely innovative like it could be a yeah. slasher where you are the serial killer and it's kind of brutal but it's like it's a game that's never been done before and this and that. And you're really kind of pushing that boundary. And it's not about that. It's about the innovation. Yeah. I think it's a little bit bigger than just the, the genre. And yep. it goes more towards just the whole, the same way of, I feel like the, you know, horror films have evolved and have changed and are somewhat more mature and there's better versions, right? There's a Dario Argento horror film is probably almost unequivocally better than, you know, some run of the mill, like Valentine's Day slasher film. And so that there's, Love they're that still movie. working in that same genre. Movie's terrible. I think they it's influence fun. you though. I mean, I, and I'll always attest that no matter anything, even the kids movie. I think, I think now that I have them, I, I, I'll tell you honestly from, from just a movie watching standpoint, my, how I view movies now is exponent. I, I cry now at everything with a kid in it. God forbid that kid, anything happens to it. It's horrible. You don't want to be in the theater with this guy. It's bad. <laughs> I, and I think with games, if, if I was still developing games, I would probably – I would look at them slightly different. But I think it, I still do a good job of, of detaching a bit from work and when I come home with that kind of stuff. And I think mine's still evolving. Um, it'll be very curious to ask the same question in 10 years with, with yeah, those two. The undertone I've been listening to over the last 15 years has been that people as they – game families as they uh, encounter different types of situations that the kind of game that they tend to not necessarily want to, but, but as you said, you almost grow out of certain things. Mm -hmm. sort of 
you change as an individual, you change because of what's happening to you, and as a result, the games that you want to, to create tend to want to change, and some of it is you go home and your mom and your daughter says, and dad, what are you working on? Yeah, and, you go, and I know it's going to happen. And you'll still have horror film directors who have kids at home. Yeah, and, I, and I've always pondered they put them in their I've films. always pondered that. <laughs> yeah. I've always yeah. pondered yeah. how they can do that. I've, I've asked myself that same question. I'll look at horror, and I know they're like, there's a dad, and I'll show them, and like, I'm like, hey, you, you thought of that. Like, your head went there. I think having kids opens up that whole realm of terror. <laughs> that we're living that out. It's, it's a new fear all, yeah. all uh, it's a new fear altogether. I, I, I know, I know at some point, uh, being the guy, and because my gameplay has evolved of just as a, as a, as a gamer in general, it's evolved from, uh, from the NES days to where I, where I am with Call of Duty now. But I, I know there's going to be a day where my daughter will come over if she's at the house, and I, I'm gonna want, I'm gonna be sitting playing Call of Duty maybe or something. She's gonna come in, and that thing's gonna have to be like, okay, well, Daddy's gonna have to turn the TV off, or whatever else. But then again, I hope someday she's old enough where Daddy can just leave the TV on and just play his games. Just yeah, fool you. Give me a beer. Exactly. She'll totally kick your ass at it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which I find guys I play with who are 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 in their thirties, like my myself, who have kids who had kids when they were really younger. Um, all their kids play. All their boys play with them. Matter of fact, a lot of them will be in the same lobbies with us on Xbox Live, and, uh, and they kick our ass. Yeah, and they're in, amazing. Like the high, uh, hand and eye coordination of kids nowadays at twelve is just unreal. My son yeah. is twelve. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> a lot more yeah. Free time your 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 son on Mario is oh like insane. Oh my god, he can beat the whole game in like four hours. It's ridiculous. Speaking of which, I just started playing games at eighteen months. Yeah, that's just, as soon as I go home, I'm I'm logging into Steam and buying the new Amnesia game for my 12 year old. So Perfect. judge judge my parenting. I He saved up his money for it and everything. But uh, and you're making him pay for it. You're awful. You know, never mind. Right. Just ignore him like Sean does. <laughs> you want a scary game? You got to earn it. <laughs> hey, I bought him Disney Infinity. All right, all right. Uh, well, thank you guys so much. I've learned a lot from this, and thank you for sharing your knowledge and your free time. I, I think that question about uh, the work-life balance really um, shared a lot of really important advice that I wish I had had uh, ten years ago. You know, when I was getting started. Sure. Well, thanks for having us out. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we probably didn't get to everybody's questions. We kind of tangented about fifteen. Times we'll leave. Uh, we'll leave some of the nerdtastic cards out, and feel free to email any of us. Uh, we all get the same uh, the same email. So yeah, we stream specific. this thing live usually. We do this on Wednesday nights, so you can log in and ask us questions live if you wanted to. And if not, it's up on iTunes. Usually, the next couple of days after that, our website at nerdtastic in 3D. Um, and if you have questions that you want answered after this, you can always email us and ask. We'll talk about it on the show. And it's yeah. just nerdtasticin3d at gmail.com. So feel free. Yeah. yeah. Wrap it up then. Wrap it up. All right. So yeah. <laughs> You're... I know. Should we close it normally? We close it normally. So I'm Jack Decker. I'm Sean Fennell. I'm Josh Sprott. Jason Packer. Sean Kirk. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>